Hey, this is Noah Aberback Katz, Rin on Star Trek Discovery, and you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello and welcome to Neil Before Pod, the podcast that for once doesn't have a host who has a cold. I'm your host Craig, without a cold, and I'm here to lead a discussion about November 2023's news and trailers. Seems like they're trying to get everything in before the end of the year based on this list. And joining me once again, he's taking another turn at the news desk, it's Isaac. Hello. Hello, I also don't have a cold. Good. So we're doing great. We're really healthy. We're quite healthy, yeah. I somehow managed to have a cold two news recordings in a row, so they were only a month apart. How's that fair? It's the end of the month cold. <laughs> yeah, but normally once you're over a cold, you're good for a couple of months before it can strike again. Maybe you're not as healthy. Yeah, rubbish. Just unlucky. Just unlucky. The COVID vaccine, it gives you the cold. I'm going to blame gives that. the cold. Gives you a monthly cold. <laughs> Pretty much. Anyway, November is, well, as we record, it's still got quite a bit to go. Might be doing something a bit structurally weird with this news podcast. We'll see how it goes. Basically, recording a bit earlier than usual and may or may not need to loop someone in who might also be you for a mop-up session before finalising. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And if it doesn't happen, then I'll just delete all that no one will know as usual let's just start with a roundup of our viewings and things so what have you been watching i've not been watching anything super new except for loki which i really enjoyed yeah loki was good been watching sex education midway through series two of that start to get your shooty gatwick prep a little bit yeah he's very good definitely more excited about him as a doctor now i've seen him be very good in sex education i'm going to see a apple tv christmas thingamajig tomorrow tomorrow wednesday sorry the hannah waddingham the hannah waddingham christmas she carols things there's a local cinema that does occasional free screenings in edinburgh and they're doing a christmasy thing so i'm going to watch that yeah, they seem to have some partnership with Apple where they get some stuff on the big screen. Yeah, it's a good deal if you can get yourself a chair. Oh, yeah. I don't know who Hannah Waddingham is and why it's so special that she sings Christmas songs. I don't know. All I know is it's free. It's free and you get some popcorn and a little drink when you go. So that's the Christmas spirit. When I went to see that John Carney film, which I'm completely blanking on the title of now. Never mind. I can't remember the title. Well, remember it for the mop-up and we'll let it <laughs> That's it, yeah. But anyway, when I went to see that, the popcorn I got was mostly unpopped kernels. I'd take a handful of popcorn and then I would bite down on something hard. And you have to try and swallow the popcorn while leaving the kernel so you can get rid of it. Yeah. This is the content people tune in for, hearing about how I eat popcorn. It's free popcorn. <laughs> yeah. So it was the bottom of the tub or whatever they spoon it out of. Yeah, that's about it, I think, watching-wise. Cool. I've also watched Loki. I thought it was a pretty good ending and quite an interesting place to put that version of the character. Wasn't what I was expecting, so nice work there. And it felt like an ending, which is rare in Marvel, isn't it? Yeah, it was like a a real 12-issue series kind of thing. The both series together felt like just one complete story, which was really nice. Yeah, nice to have an end. (laughs) There will be some returning elements from it, you would imagine, but... Probably, yeah, but it's at a point where if they did not do any more of the Loki series, then that'd be fine. Yeah. It's not like one of these got cancelled before we really got into the good stuff sort of situation. This is a good one. 
And Tom Hiddleston's been talking as if it is the end for him. Yeah, he's been doing it for yonks. 14 years, I think, something yeah. like that. And of course, the joy of Loki being sort of a god of whatever is the character doesn't necessarily have to be Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Loki can be in any form or age or race or gender or anything. So if they do want to continue without him, that character can be kind of a, a new go at it and a new direction and it still works. So Have Sylvie do it or Richard E. Grant or... Or anyone really. Or an alligator. Just yeah, the alligator one. That's good. Mm-hmm. I imagine that Tom Hiddleston will be back at some point, probably for Secret Wars. There will be an amount of money that will coax him back. Yeah, probably. But if not, it's nice anyway. Yeah. Also in Marvel, I've seen the Marvels, and there may yeah. or may not be a discussion that you can listen to by the time this releases. If not, it won't be long after this releases. Either way, there is a discussion. Both of us were on, so that was fun. And we both enjoyed it. We did. Spoilers for the podcast, we had a great time. Yeah. Well, I had a reasonable time. I wouldn't say great, but it's one of the more enjoyable Marvel movies of recent years. Oh uh, yeah, no, it's definitely one of the good ones. I've been re-watching Doctor Who in preparation for it coming back, just to get myself good and sick of it by the time it comes back, and then I'm not bothered about it anymore. Yeah. I'm up to Matt Smith's second series, which I find is a bit of a chore in places. I don't think I've gone back much. That's the He Might Die at the End series. Yeah, that's the He Might Die at the End series. There's some standouts, but yeah, it's sort of finding the middle of the Moffat-y stuff. He always starts very strong. Apart from with Peter Capaldi. No, Peter Capaldi takes a bit of time to get in. Yeah. So yeah, Matt Smith, definitely Series 5 was peak and then sort of slid downwards a bit, really. 6 was pretty tough going. 7's better, I think. It all kind of blurs. Seven's weird, though, because it's half a season of one set of companions and then half a season of... Oh, yeah, that's the Clara series. I mean, yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, so I've been doing that. And I've still been chipping away at Riverdale, which is insane and fun. Last month, Natalie misheard and thought I said Emmerdale, which I thought was funny. That would be me getting a weird Jenna Coleman fix of <laughs> Doctor Who and, and Emmerdale. I forgot about Emmerdale. I'm not watching Emmerdale. I, I never have and never will. But I still have been watching... Very slowly, actually. I've had other stuff to do. Riverdale. It's good fun. It's just nuts, and uh, I quite enjoy it. Yeah. Movies-wise, I watched the Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. That was pretty good. A bit too long, and I don't think it quite develops itself in the way that it could have done, but I quite liked it. Aaron hated it. On brand. (laughs) Which produced quite a conversation afterwards. But yeah, it was, I thought it was good. The guy playing Young Snow was good. Tom Blythe, I think his name is. And Rachel Zegler was really good as well. She disappears for quite a lot of the film, but she's pretty good in it. Wish I saw a preview screening of that, although it'll be out by the time this podcast is out, out in cinemas by the time it's out. I enjoyed it. It's not amazing. And as a representative film of the Disney centenary, I think they could have done better. Disney's done better than that, but it's fine. It's a perfectly serviceable watch and the screening i ended up at was this preview screening as i said and it was a family screening but i didn't know that because i got invited by a pr got there and it was just surrounded by parents and kids i was the only person there that didn't have a child with them just by yourself yeah i had a plus one but no one was available at 10 a.m on a sunday morning imagine that oh wow (laughs) so a family film and some weird guy that showed up by himself to watch a disney film no one asked i would have just said i'm here for work yeah. I felt a bit out of place until the film started. No one really cares who else is in the cinema. Yeah. But it was good. Chris Pine, really good as a evil king. Ariana DeBose, great voice acting, great singing voice. There's good songs in it as well. Again, not Disney's best. I feel like they could have done better, but never mind. The kids all loved it. And then at yeah. the end of the day, isn't that important? Who cares what a white male in his mid-30s thinks about Wish? The answer is everybody. Everybody must listen to me. That's our superpower. <laughs> there was that Simpsons joke. Oh yeah, everyone has to be no matter how dumb my opinions are. 
Was it nuts and candy together at last or whatever? Nuts and gum. Yeah, that was it. I also saw the Kevin Bridges comedy show that was on at the cinema as well. And enjoyed it. It was a good laugh. It was nice to just go and laugh for a couple hours. That's good. It's been it for me watching, really. I've not really watched a lot, but we're soon getting into Christmas rewatch season. Christmas time. Time to watch Vanessa Hudgens' Netflix movies. Vanessa Hudgens' movies. Actually, I watched one Christmas movie already. What was it called? I don't remember. But it was very good. A classic one or a new one? A new one. It was a new Netflix one. It's got Kristen Stewart in it. It's Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis. Oh, that's quite an old one. That's right, yeah. It was filmed, I think, in 2019 or something, but it wasn't released for a bit or something. Well, it was one of those ones that was dumped on streaming during the pandemic, I think. Yeah. I remember watching it at the time. Basically, Mackenzie Davis' parents don't know that she's gay and she brings her girlfriend home, but they pretend to be friends. Pretend to be roommates, yeah. Yeah. It's quite nice. Happiest Season, I think it's called. That sounds about right, yeah. It was all right. So yeah, I've, I've already broken into the Christmas viewing. Well, I haven't started yet. Other than Doctor Who Christmas specials. Well then, Doctor Who Christmas special. You'll have watched the one good one. The one good one for a while. I skipped the next Doctor because I just can't stand that. I just thought, I don't need to watch this one. No, but Christmas Carol is the best one. And yeah. As far as I remember, there isn't another good one until the Matt Smith dies one. Time of the Doctor. I like Voyage of the Damned as well. Oh yeah, that's been a good But I think of the Stephen Moffat ones, all pretty rubbish except for that first one. Quite like the Snowman, that's all right. Oh yeah, that was all right. Yeah, Richard Grant again. Ian McKellen does the voice of the villain. Yeah, he's the snow globe. Yeah, that's been it, basically. That's what we've been watching. Do you have anything to plug? No, as we said, we've recorded a Marvel's podcast that will be out either now for you or soon for you, which is good. We also recorded a Doctor Who podcast as well for the 50th anniversary. Yes, that is in your feed now. So yeah, it's available now. It's the stuff you can find me having opinions on. And you do indeed have opinions. It's your two things. I do. Don't get used to that for this news, by the way. <laughs> but that's for the news. <laughs> oh, no. So the plugs are that. I've done a couple of interviews as well. I interviewed a staff writer who works on Virgin River, which is a show that I will never watch because, well, there aren't any aliens or explosions or superheroes in it. So it's not to my taste. But apparently it's quite a decent romantic drama and she was quite passionate about that as well so it's worth listening to i've also interviewed rick cosnett very briefly who is in the flash and as we record i haven't done the interview yet so i have no idea what it was like it was either amazing or terrible we don't know you either made a new enemy or a new friend exactly or someone that will just forget me in 10 minutes which is possibly the most likely option and we'll have seen new doctor who by the time this goes out as well and depending on what side of the coin you want to fall on it was either amazing it was fine or it was terrible we just don't know. It's probably okay. I hope so. I hope it's at least okay. Openers are always just sort of a bit fun and okay. I wasn't terribly enthusiastic about the short they put on uh, BBC charity thing, Children Need. Oh yeah, there was recently a little Children Need short. It was fine. The internet's predictably going weird about it, but other than that, it's a five minute little scene. I watched it on a train and it was like, yeah, it's all right. It's fine for watching on a train. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right, let's get started on the main stuff then. Let's start talking some trailers. We have trailers. Yeah. We have lots of trailers. The actor strike is over and all the trailers are out. Yeah, so all the trailers are turning up. Yeah, although a lot of these came out before the actor strike ended, but it fits the narrative. Yeah. So let's start with The Fall Guy. We have Ryan Reynolds playing a stuntman that not Ryan Reynolds, oh, Ryan, Ryan Gosling, Gosling playing a stuntman who ends up doing action stuff for real. Pretty standard action movie setup, to be fair. I like David Leitch. I liked Bullet Train. He also directed some of the John Wick movies. I'm not sure which ones or which one, but 
He knows how to do action, and this looks like it'll be pretty good. It's got Emily Blunt in it as well. I had this debate with Angus. It wasn't a debate, it was a question. Has Emily Blunt ever done a bad film? Certainly none that I've seen. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember what film she's been in. I remember good ones she's been in, but I don't remember any bad ones. So. so she's either really good at making you forget that she was in bad films, or that she's never done a bad film. Yeah, it's one of the two. Yeah, it looks fun. I like the You Give Love a Bad Name orchestral remix in the trailer. Usually I get quite annoyed at, here's a popular song done in a slightly different style for a trailer. Usually it's the melancholy stuff that I really hate, but something about putting an orchestra to that song really made it pop for the trailer. It wouldn't be in the film. Yeah, no, it was fairly fun. It's not a song I like, to be honest. Sometimes one of those sort of songs like uh, 80s <laughs> rock, but it fit the sort of vibe of the thing, so. If you're drunk and at a wedding, it'll be your favourite song ever. Yeah. It's that kind of song. Not one I'd put on at home. <laughs> <laughs> when you're cleaning the kitchen or something. Yeah. Ryan Gosling being outgoing, which I quite like. He does a lot of films where he just stares in at the middle distance and doesn't say very much. But I really like it when he does stuff like this, where he's got a real personality to him, where he's playing very big. A bit like in Barbie. Yeah, I hope we get more of him having a bit more fun than just being smouldering, but sort of stoic person. Yeah, smouldering and mysterious. And, yeah. yeah. He played a stuntman in Drive as well, kind of. There was a scene where he does a stunt. Yeah. The actor who he's his stuntman for gets killed and he has to find out why. Yeah. It's fun. I will watch it. I think it'll be good fun. Should be fun. Not Ryan Reynolds, though. He's not in this. No, as far as we know, he's not in it. <laughs> Although he does just tend to turn up sometimes when you don't expect him. You never know. Maybe he is. Okay, let's move on to some post-apocalyptic apes, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. I'm basing this entirely on the fact that I thought the other three were great, but I think this will be great as well. It's directed by Wes Ball, who will be doing Zelda, which we'll talk about later. And he did the Maze Runner movies as well. Definitely like two of them. There's one of them I don't like, but I don't remember them that well. But it seems like he's a good choice. It looks really good. The visual effects, once again, look absolutely stunning. This is post-Caesar from their trilogy that we had a few years ago. It's quite a number of years after, so it's the decaying human world and full-on Planet of the Apes vibes, so the destroyed humanity and the decay of civilization and all that stuff. It looks amazing, based on this teaser. Yeah, so I never saw the original, well, the original trilogy, but the newer original trilogy of the apes movies. The reboot trilogy. Yeah, the reboot trilogy, but they always looked like top of the game when it comes to effects and motion capture and stuff, so... Yeah, this is still going on the same trend. It looks really fun. So yeah, this is more, well, not going into the Charleston Heston unless he shows up as a dead cameo, but <laughs> it's ape town now, basically there. Yeah. I don't think this will be about the space mission returning because it seems very ape heavy. So it'll be an ape society type movie, I suspect. Yeah. So maybe what's actually happening on earth and, yeah. and anything else. Yeah. Power struggles and all that stuff. Yeah. Although I wonder what will happen if they ever do get around to remaking the original Planet of the Apes. Because it's one of those things, that, how do you do it now? Because everyone knows the twist. Maybe not everybody, but it's well known. Well, I suppose everybody knowing the twist hasn't stopped these new trilogies. Well, they did a whole trilogy where they just didn't bother with the twist angle because it's, here's how the society fell and apes took over. Yeah, because they're focusing on how we got to that position instead of what everybody already knows. So probably never get to it. They'll probably just assume this is the same world that Charles and Heston will eventually visit. But obviously that movie, if you played him and then ended with that one, then and that would be the story complete pretty much, I think. Yeah. The first film shows the mission leaving and then going missing. So it is out there. So we'll see if they ever get around to it. I don't think it's a massively interesting story to necessarily remake, really. No, yeah, they're definitely wise choices to focus more on the actual what's happening on the planet stuff. Unless they do something radically different with it, which they would have to, I think, because it's one of those, well, we know that this is Earth. We've done a yeah. whole 
series of films about the apes taking over so we can't pretend that that hasn't happened yeah but yeah it still looks pretty stellar and if you're a fan of the first three i know it was a very popular thing so it's probably a lot of people glad to be back visiting these movies again yeah make a point of trying to see them if you can yeah no andy circus in this one it seems though you can't do every cj animal <laughs> He has to pass the baton on eventually. Maybe he's consulting or something like that. Maybe. Here's how I act like an ape, and please don't release any behind-the-scenes footage because it looks ridiculous. Don't see see any like clown costume on here. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, looking forward to this. Very much looking forward to this. Looks good. Next thing is Ultraman Rising. I really can't say no to giant monsters, at least conceptually. It's got great animation, some cool designs. It is an adaptation of an existing Japanese property, but they're Western animeing it a bit. I think. Yeah. I think it's sometimes in the same universe as Godzilla. Maybe not. I'm not sure. But certainly it's a guy gets in a suit and fights monsters. So it's a bit Pacific Rim as well. The Monsterverse isn't very fun. Or the ones I've seen weren't very fun. Except Skull Island. That was really good. Yeah, I never saw Skull Island. Apparently that was sort of the highlight one. It's the only good one as far as I'm concerned. But I think, yeah, this one looks like it's more wisely going with people just want to see big things smashed together, which obviously animation is a bit easier to do. You know, when you're doing live action, you kind of need a couple of ground people to stretch out the story a bit. And I suppose they can do that in animation as well. But yeah, this looks a bit more fun. Like it's more like, oh no, people want to see big monsters smash, like fights. So we'll give them that. <laughs> yeah, looks fine. I might watch it, might not. Who knows? Who knows? Let's move on. We're staying in animation for a bit, actually. Inside Out 2, which is one I'm really excited about. I really can't wait to see this, even though there's some dodgy stuff with recastings and who knows why that's went on. But Mindy Kaling and the other guy isn't going to be in it. So that's a shame. Yeah. But it looks good. So this is Riley and her team. Yes. Some emotions are coming. We only know one so far. Well, four have been announced, only one in the trailer. So you've got Anxiety in the trailer. The other one is Ennui, Embarrassment and Envy. Those are the other three okay, that have been announced. I don't know if there'll be more. Well, yeah, I suppose there's certain ones, but I suppose those four kind of cover the blanket of what could be. And then I suppose also as the story progresses. Spoilers for Inside Out 1, but at the end of the movie, it's like emotional maturity and happy and sad or happy and angry yeah. can become things. So I don't know if anxiety and disgust or envy and anger could combine to make extra things. There's a big palette of things you can play with. Yeah, envy and anger might get along and produce this really massive explosion of emotion. Yeah, but yeah, so the first one was very good. It's always a bit wary on sequels to movies that sometimes don't always feel like they need to. Not that that'll come up again this evening. (laughs) (laughs) The thing about Inside Out is I've always felt that the concept has infinite potential. You could do a million of these films with different characters, just in how their emotional development works. Here's someone with a mental illness. Here's a serial killer. Here's how their brain works, that kind of stuff. All right, maybe it gets a bit dark in places, but you could in theory, do all sorts of different permutations of this idea. They're sticking with Riley for now, but the idea of transitioning to puberty is is a good idea and it makes sense for that character as well because obviously she's approaching that age. However, based on how people have reacted to other attempts from Pixar to broach this subject, I reckon there'll be some backlash. Because remember with, what's it called? Turning Red? That's the one, the panda one. What is with me in names tonight? Glad you're here. Yeah, turning red, that was a metaphor and sometimes not a metaphor at all. It was very explicit about puberty. Yeah. And a woman getting her period and things like that. And lots of people kicked off about it. People always kick off about stuff. How dare you present reality in this film that's animated? How dare you show young children what's going to happen? Make it less scary for them. Or what's happening to them, possibly, depending on the AGR when you watch it. So I reckon that there will be some backlash to the fact that they're doing it far more explicitly in this film and exploring it in a deeper way. 
but yeah. I'm all for it. I think it's going to be great. If it makes people feel uncomfortable when watching it, then so be it. That's on you. Yeah, tough. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be great based on the first one. The first one is when you watch it, you're like, wow, the level of creativity in this is unparalleled. It's really good. I love that they keep losing the train of thought. It's a very good joke in the first one. But yeah, no, this should be good. I and mean, even if it's not as good as the first one, like I said, it's a really good concept that you can just have a lot of fun with. So And the gag about sending a jingle up to your brain for no reason. Yeah. If you think about it, it's like, that's exactly how my brain works. A tune will pop into my head and I can't get rid of it. It's just there. Yeah. Geniuses. Pixar could be geniuses when they put their reins yeah. to it. So super excited about this. Yeah, should be the one of the best ones. Let's move on. Still in animation, we have the Garfield movie. Chris Pratt continuing to dominate as the only voice actor. Apparently, there are no others. I really enjoyed the build-up to this, where they were like, what's Chris Pratt's Garfield voice going to be? And then there was a thing going like, first look at Chris Pratt's Garfield, what kind of voice do you expect? And I was like, probably just Chris Pratt. And it is. What, like with Mario? I thought it'd be really funny if he just did a full Mario voice. We did. For Garfield. Just like, it's me, Garfield. <laughs> Oh, he does a full Italian. Okay. I thought Garfield was Italian because he likes lasagna. <laughs> I've got a really heavy, obnoxious Italian accent. <laughs> oh, that'd be funny. But yeah, no, he's just doing Chris Pratt as Garfield. He sounds like Chris Pratt, yeah. And the thing is, I think Chris Pratt is actually a very good voice actor. Based on all the other stuff I've seen him voice act in, the Lego movie was the first I was aware of. Yeah, he's great in Lego movie. Onward. Yeah. Going onward as well. He sounds very natural as a voice actor and he's not too stoic or too over the top. It's actually the same as standard acting, really. He can play all the emotions nice and well, so he's a good celebrity voice actor. He is also just doing everything. Yeah. There are voice actors who are actually really good at this sort of thing. And Chris Pratt gets plenty of work elsewhere, so maybe look at those guys. Just think about it. But not for this movie. Not for this movie, no. It looks like a Garfield movie. I haven't seen a lot of Garfield stuff in a long time. I remember watching it when I was younger, the cartoon that was on at the time, and they did some weird stuff. It was a bit Scooby-Doo-esque sometimes, where you would go on adventures. I don't know much about other than the, the newspaper comics. That's all I've really seen of Garfield, or the Garfield minus Garfield ones, which just... Ah, yes. That's perfect. Yeah. The guy just losing his mind. It's so depressing, isn't it? Yeah, just real bleak. This guy thinks his cat's still alive and it isn't. Just a guy screaming at himself in a room. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But there's some good cat stuff in there, such as, oh, that's the day I adopted John. Made him feel really sorry for me and then I mooched in and <laughs> ate all his food. How does this sort of feel with you as a relatively new cat adoptee? Well, I've had to spot for nearly two years now. I suppose yeah, two years. But yes, it's very like that, as in he calls the shots and I just put up with it. I don't know why. Yeah, keep having to make him all those lasagnas. <laughs> I don't know if you can feed a cat lasagna because milk and stuff. Also, all days are the same. Why Mondays? All <laughs> <laughs> the same. He doesn't have to go to work. Yeah. You have to go to work. Maybe it's because I'm going to work. He doesn't. Monday be the best day because like, oh, Craig's out. <laughs> <laughs> that's the day he goes to the office i get to scratch whatever i want as opposed to when he's here and i don't scratch whatever i want scratch all his blu-rays while he's out it's great my favorite day one day the blu-ray collection will fall on him let's not even think about it <laughs> yeah it looks fine samuel L. jackson is another cat who might be his father other garfield ryan reynolds might be the lasagna who knows if he's not in full guy <laughs> <laughs> so chris pratt voice actor He's the only voice actor, apparently. But he's fine. He's not doing a bad job, so it's hard to stay angry. Yeah, it's one of those, if he sucked, it'd be, why him? Why always him? But also, why always him? How has he managed to carve himself into that niche? He's probably a very personable man. With some potentially dodgy religious views that came up at some point. Oh, yeah. He's a member of an odd church. Yes. <laughs> that's not new to the world of celebrity. A lot of them are members of odd church. It's got nothing to do with Garfield either. 
Garfield is not religious. Unless he is. I've no idea. I haven't read a lot of Garfield. And I remember the cartoons, like I say, from when I was younger. I think I've seen the first Bill Murray movie once. Uh, I've not seen it now. Let's move on. We have a full trailer for Netflix's adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender. By all accounts, they're being more faithful to the source material than the M. Night Shyamalan movie, but I don't really have the connection to know either way. I just know that everybody hates that movie. I've seen the animated show. I've not seen the movie. The animated show is very good. And I think it's sort of a slight concern of, it's a very good show and it went on for a number of seasons. And the live action one, well, if you do the same again, then what's the point? Because the animated one's already great, but people also don't like Deviation and also Netflix. Probably won't get all the way through. (laughs) <laughs> so people were so worried they'll rush and stuff but this definitely looks more essentially it's just the animated version in live action got Ang and Iroh and Zuko and everyone looking accurate to the animated source material again it looks fun it looks good but also it's one of those trailers where you're like I could just watch the animated one now again it's really good <laughs> so a bit of those who is this for kind of trailers yeah money has definitely been spent though yeah and I think because it did pirate boy recently what's it called i don't know the anime name but it came out maybe like september or so when it was an anime adaption a pirate adventure one and that was on netflix and that seems to do pretty well so but netflix also has a bad history with live action anime adaptations doesn't it well they have a bit of bad history with anything really. yeah the main one is if something starts on netflix it probably won't get very far they won't yeah. cancel and stuff <laughs> so we'll see how this goes it looks like i said it is the animated version come to life and while that looks fun it is a little, is this necessary sort of feeling? It's a little, why are you doing this? As opposed to, I suppose, the Scott Pilgrim thing that they've recently released, which went in the other direction. Yeah, I've not started seeing that, but apparently it's definitely one of these, avoid reading anything about it because it does unexpected stuff. Okay. I don't know, but I don't want to look and find out. I mean, there is a possibility for this show. It might do a bridge, or it might do different direction for stuff, but it is also, again, because it's like a really great series already. So you're playing with fire by changing it up too much. Can't wait to see one season of it and then get cancelled. Yeah, it'll be like a series of it. <laughs> this costs too much. Cancel it right now. It definitely will cost more like, the further they get in. When they get to Barsing Say, which is this giant walled city, the Siege of Barsing Say is the third series or so, the Earthbender Kingdom. And that would cost blockbuster amounts of money <laughs> to make. <laughs> so we'll see if they get there. Well, there's no end to the debt that Netflix are willing to get into, apparently. Yeah, they can just keep building it up. I know nothing about this. I thought the trailer looked fine. I probably won't end up watching it, though. I don't really have a connection to it, but if I was going to watch anything, I guess I would watch the anime. I don't know. I'll watch the M. Night Shyamalan film. That'll take you less time. The anime is very good if you want to watch something, but this also could be very good, but it is a little unnecessary feeling. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Next up, we have Mean Girls, the musical. Although it's not called Mean Girls, the musical. It's just called Mean Girls. See, when this comes out, this film will be 20 years years old the original that's insane feels like it came out last week i don't know what mean girls is have you never seen it no never seen it it's actually really good i got forced to watch it a couple of years after it came out i guess and i was resistant to it because i assumed i would hate it but no i ended up really liking it i think it's very sharp and witty and it's got a great cast you've got rachel mcadams amanda seyfried's in it Lindsay lohan who yes was a good actor before she went off the rails somewhat shall we say but It's good. It's really good. And they're remaking it as a musical. There's a weird trend with musicals to not give you much indication in the trailer that it's actually a musical. Wonka's the same. You wouldn't really know it's a musical by watching the trailer. There's a musical number in the trailer, kind of, but that could just be incidental. Yeah, the Unplubbers have one, but they always have musical numbers. Yeah. So this is another one that's not fully advertising the fact that it's a musical. Tina Fey and Tim Meadows are reprising the roles that they did in the original, which is quite interesting, but they're teachers, so they can just be 20 years older than they were back then, I guess. 
Yeah, they could still be teachers. Yeah. It looks like, other than being a musical, it's modernising Mean Girls with things like smartphones and TikTok, which weren't really around at the time it was made. So I don't know how that will alter the story in any way, but the cast looks good. The new cast for these characters, Anguri Rice, is Lindsay Lohan's character and so on. I would say give the original Mean Girls a go. It wouldn't shatter your masculinity to watch it, potentially. Give it a go. But what did you think of this trailer? Again, it's one of the sort of legacy sequel things, which I guess this is a legacy, even though it's... It was more a remake. It's 20 years ago, but it's still a legacy. It's obviously calling back to the original one. And I feel like a lot of it was like, this will be a big thing. Like, if I knew what Mean Girls was about, then this would be way more... I mean, there's certain there's stumbling on heels and stuff at the beginning of this stuff. I was like, this feels like it's part of something I would know if I'd seen the first movie. <laughs> but it looks fairly fun. But yeah, I don't have much to say about it, really. I'll have a leap on it. I think the beauty of them making a remake as a musical is the fact that you can watch both and not have your experience hampered in any way. If you don't like musicals, then you've got a fairly standard comedic drama version of it that you can just watch. Or there's a musical take on it, and it'll be the same story, but told in a different way. So I quite like that as an approach, rather than, oh yeah, we're just doing this again with younger actors. Yeah, it's more fun if they don't just make it exactly or do the exact same beats and have a bit more fun or try a new format with it. Also makes you more forgiving that some of the same actors are in it. Yeah. John Hamm's in it as well. That's good. John Hamm's always fun. Yeah. He needs to do more. I reckon I'll go see this because it looks pretty fun. And I like the original. There is a Mean Girls too. It's one of those straight to DVD, has nothing to do with the first one sort of sequels, which I haven't never seen. But I don't think yeah. anybody has seen it. So best avoided, I suppose. Okay. But yeah, this musical, Mean Girls, if you like musicals. Yeah, I do love musicals. They're great. I wish the trailer gave me some idea of what to expect from it as a musical. Though. Yeah. Because it doesn't. There is a musical number in the trailer again, but that could just be they're doing a TikTok. Could be. But I quite like not always going into the musicals knowing all the songs beforehand. Like, so that's quite fun. Not take it out of context of where it is in the story as well. It's more about knowing what you're about to watch because that can be a bit jarring. I remember when Sweeney Todd came out, a film I still haven't seen, but a lot of people went into the film not knowing it was a musical. And then they were about 20 minutes in and they were on their second musical number and it was, what's going on? Yeah. I suppose it also depends on whether it lands or not. Certain things like, yeah, one can make sense as a musical, but it's kind of a weird little world and joke is going to be weird when that's a musical. Oh, yeah. That also is a bit of a weird world as well. That's kind of very similar to Willy Wonka in a Twix way. When they made Waitress the musical, I saw that and that was a really good adaption of the film as well. So it just depends on the song as well. That's the most important part if the songs are good. Oh, of course. All right, let's move on. We've got a couple of horror things damsel it looks all right it's got a dragon bit of a dark horror fantasy seems the theme is trapped by expectation and then she'll be literally trapped in a cave with a dragon to explore that theme millie bobby brown getting work again yeah and robert pattinson i think i'm not sure i think he's in it gonna have to look that up now robert pattinson and mia wasikowska okay robert pattinson got a taste for a budget with the batman he's enjoying the batman well i like robert pattinson i think he's great it's fun seeing him and stuff are you looking at the right damsel oh maybe i'm not oh it just came out five years ago there's a different damsel <laughs> i was gonna say i don't remember the dragon but i watched summer break oh this looks different this one has millie bobby brown robin wright and so well on. the damsel from 2018 also looks pretty good if you miss new damsel Original Damsel also looks fun. Get your fill of Damsel by watching that one, which has nothing to do with this one. Oh yeah, there's Millie Bobby Brown, there's a dragon. This is definitely a different vibe. <laughs> I don't even think this is set in the Wild West. <laughs> Ray Winston's in this as well. It's not the first time he's fought a dragon, although the last time he was animated. Oh yeah, and Beowulf. I liked Beowulf. Yeah, it was all right. It was a good first 3D film for me to see, I think. Yeah, definitely one of those ones where they made use of the 3D, but before 
everything felt oddly like whoa 3d sort of feeling <laughs> yeah so damsel does not contain robert pattinson but maybe you should watch it anyway there's another film called damsel that does which also <laughs> looks pretty fun so you could do a damsel double bill perhaps yeah it's a new barbenheimer it's just damn damsel <laughs> damsel yeah. you watch one of the damsels and then you watch another one of the damsel damn damsel damn damsel yeah <laughs> but as a dragon it looks pretty good like I say, yeah. the dark horror fantasy vibe might be all right. Be, yeah. Um, the next one, Imaginary, which is a Blumhouse thing, and they tend to do fun ideas or fun takes on familiar things. This isn't really a genre mash in the same way that Totally Killer is or anything like that, but basically a horror imaginary friend, and they manage to make a normal teddy bear seem creepy. They make a normal teddy bear seem kind of creepy. I think this trailer also has a bit of a, a similar feel to stuff like The Conjuring and Annabelle, and I've not been keeping up much of i don't watch too many horror movies and some of the beats are kind of similar to other stuff that might be blumhouse as well kids having creepy ghostly characters that may or may not work with them and it's an easy scary thing to latch on to as well because everybody's had an imaginary friend yeah so the idea of what if the imaginary friend wants to kill you or everyone that you love what about that? Yeah, that stuff, that's more nuisance. But say, for example, there's a scene where the mum's talking to the kid and it's like, oh, it's just behind you and she moves and the thing's there. That's the same as when Darth Maul bows behind that man in one of the scary movies, one of the Kundrings. Darth Maul? Was it that Kundring? What was before Kundring where there was a demon and it looked like Darth Maul? The guy leans forward and it sat behind him on the chair and stuff. It was like one of those jump scares. I thought you meant, actually, there's a Star Wars thing where Darth Maul does that. He just hangs around behind people. It's a demon that looks exactly like Darth Maul. Oh, right, okay. I'm not sure. I haven't seen the Conjuring stuff, actually. But it sort of had that same sort of feeling when it comes to execution of the horror. It's a pretty standard shot, isn't it? Move out of the way, there's something there. With Blumhouse, not always, but there's sometimes a bit of an extra draw for you in there. I don't get that from this trailer. It seems like this might just be a little bit traditional, but still, it it looks pretty decent for what it is. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure it's safe for more horror people. This might be a real standout idea, but there ain't tells us. This next one isn't really horror, but kind of Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, the sequel to, to my mind, the very underwhelming Ghostbusters Afterlife. Is it going to be more nostalgia pandering like that? The trailer kind of suggests that it does, because you've got the old decrepit Ecto-1 from the 80s. Why haven't they got a new car? Because nostalgia. They could get a new car and put a Ghostbusters logo on it. Well, yeah, certain people like similar iconography again, so it has to be the car and it has to be that weird (coughs) noise the car makes. Yeah, but you can do that with a newer car. One that isn't 40 years old. Batman didn't have to drive the same Batmobile since the 80s, and he still does. He doesn't have to have the same Batwing. He can have a new one. Yeah, it's a 40-year-old car that sat in a dusty barn for decades. I've seen the original Ghostbusters. That's all you need to see. I watched it when I was a kid. Didn't see Afterlife, though. I heard it was quite good. I didn't like it at all. Again, for the nostalgia pandering. Oh, my nephew really liked it. I think he was the right age. Uh, I think he's watched all the Ghostbusters and then he enjoyed this new one. I've seen a lot of people say this kind of looks a bit more serious than Ghostbusters. Because the vibe of Ghostbusters has always been make ghosts sort of mundane and just like a workaday problem. Oh yeah, trap it. You know, they are just pest control, but for ghosts. Yeah, well, that's the idea. It's exorcism as pest control. That was the original concept. And even when it was originally dreamed up, the idea was that there was going to be Ghostbusters in every city in the same way that you have a fire department or something like that. Yeah, they got the fumigation gear. The boiler suits. But then this looks, they've done the, what's it called, Stay Puff Man, they've done Zool and all that. So it's like, well, this time we've got a big, weird, spiky ice demon. Seems something new. Yes, they might be having a bit of more fun with the ghost element. They might be drawing more on the animated show, which had all sorts of weird and wacky ghosty stuff. Yeah, it could be doing from that, or it could just be 
Just sort of like, okay, we've done what's known. Let's just do a brand new thing, a whole new threat that looks definitely more insidious than standard Ghostbusters. Usually Ghostbusters villains don't really move around very much. They just sort of turn up and you blast them. This thing seems a bit more active and mobile and threatening. The issue with the Ghostbusters thing in general is, and I've said this so many times, but the original Ghostbusters is treated like it's some kind of sacred text that should not be tampered with in any way. The internet goes nuts about it. The backlash against the female-led Ghostbusters reboot shows that. It's it's insane. I still haven't seen it because I just wasn't that interested. It's not because I hate women or anything like that. It's just not a big fan of Paul Feig movies, so I didn't watch her. Paul Feig, or however you pronounce his name. Anyway, I didn't watch that, but the trolls got their way in a way, because it was, okay, let's forget about that and let's just do a nostalgic callback update sequel to that. But it's essentially just a pretty good film from the 80s. Yeah, well, from what I heard about Answer the Call, the all-female one, is that also just does a Stave Puff, Marshmallow Man, and it does a Zool and everything anyway. So even though, yeah, the trolls did sort of win and be like, oh, we can't have women be Ghostbusters or whatever. Still didn't really push the boat out in doing new Ghostbusters stuff, which I think also didn't work to its detriment. Apparently it did and it didn't. Anyone that I talked to about it say the film's at its best when it's trying to be a bit new with new gadgets and stuff like that, and then when it tries to become this retread of the original. Yeah, that's when it kind of... I still haven't seen it. Maybe I should watch it just to get it out of the way. I should probably watch it. But also I've not seen Ghostbusters since maybe our mid-teens. <laughs> it's been a long time. So you haven't grown up just making it your personality? Yeah, no, it was a thing I watched when I was little and then I, then I just stopped watching it. Yeah, but it would get me on board and that's all you want, me on board with this concept. But just give them new stuff. Make it Ghostbusters, but new and updated. So a new car. Yeah, give them a Ghostbusters helicopter. Yeah, sure. Shoot a big laser out. Maybe they'll get a Ghostbusters helicopter in this one. The ghost copter. <laughs> I would love that, actually. Ghost copter. Just all sorts of weird stuff. A boat, why not? Yeah, ghost boat. Sometimes you fight water ghosts. Yeah, definitely in New York. Basically what we're saying is just Batman, but with ghosts. You have to do Batman with ghosts. Yeah. I think he's probably fought a ghost. Oh, he's fought everything, hasn't he? Yeah. So we'll see. I'm not hugely enthusiastic about this, but it looks pretty good. Is it the Ghostbusters versus climate change, perhaps? Maybe. I think they'll probably do a thing about how people are denying it. It's like, this is just a normal amount of freezing to death yeah <laughs> people are denying that ghosts exist even though there's one in front of you yeah there'll probably be a bit of that yeah okay let's move on next up we have a bit of a rom-com anyone but you it's called talked about about this last month with natalie where there was this teaser that just gave you no real indication of what to expect from this but this seems like a pretty standard rom-com set up for hijinks this time it's two really hot people but they hate each other i wonder what's going to happen still every rom-com yeah, but they really hate each other. The whole premise is built on the fact they hate each other. That's true. They really hate each other. That's still some rom-coms. But it's, it seems to only be in rom-coms where let's pretend to be a couple, even though we hate each other, would seem like a reasonable idea. Yeah, that's a rom-com idea. So. Although Easy A was good. I enjoyed that. It's the same director. Yeah, The Proposal with Ryan Reynolds. That's the same thing. I haven't seen that, but apparently it was all right. That's also, uh, I hate my boss, but we have to pretend to be married and then we fall in love. There's Friends with Benefits, which I also haven't seen, but it's the same director. But yeah, this is definitely not a new story. Could go either way, this, really. I feel like Sidney Sweeney, maybe not Glenn Powell, because I've never really seen him in much. He doesn't have much to do in Top Gun either, but she seems to be better than this. If the couple doesn't work, then you're not it. So yeah, it really is on whether or not these two have chemistry against each other and you've got to be kind of rooting for them even if it doesn't look like it's going to work out for a good rom-com it seems like they bounce off each other really well and then before the trailer starts they have the can watch the trailer from my new movie no it's my movie no it's my movie 
horror movie. Fine. They got a decent amount of back and forth and chemistry and stuff. I don't know. I feel like Sydney Sweeney could be in better projects than this. And that's something that will definitely come up again later. But also, yeah, I think rom-coms, I think they're just nice to film. Yeah, maybe it was really good fun. They got paid and got to go on holiday. A lot of times, a lot of people in rom-coms just sort of like, yeah, it's just a nice, easy... Everyone kind of knows the beats and no one's aiming to win an Oscar or whatever. <laughs> you just do it and you have a bit of fun and you do a bit of a press junket and it's fine and stuff. So I think it's just sort of that kind of vibe, really. And when you finish filming for the day, you're on the beach? Yeah, you can just do whatever. You do, yeah, if you're in a nice place. Yeah, so I don't know. Will I see this? Who knows? I can see that sad person that turns up to a rom-com on my own. Yeah, on Valentine's Day. Yeah, because <laughs> that's when it's out, isn't it? <laughs> I think it is on Valentine's around February, yeah. Going to the cinema to see a rom-com, it's all right if there really isn't anything else to say or if it's very cheap. But with rom-coms, the comfort in them is that they are essentially the same movie every time. And they're kind of a thing, you you know, you're cozy at home and you're just like, oh, I just put a nice rom-com on and chew my brain out a little bit. You get to watch really pretty people having hijinks if you're into that. Yeah, it's just nice. just nice and simple. It's always these really glamorous, pretty people that have nothing but designer clothes and really cool jobs. It's the opposite of what people keep recommending because keeps recommending me to watch the bear the show where it's like the chef and it's like you work in hospitality would you watch a guy have a stressful time at work it's like no I did that stop recommending me like stressful stuff also that ben wish or er show where it's like actually the er is awful and stressful and if you work there you ever worked and you're just tired all the time and you make mistakes and people die no great now i'm gonna watch the bake-off instead because <laughs> that's just people making cakes and don't worry about it so yeah i can watch glenn powell on the beach with his abs, and imagine that was me. Yeah. This guy is everything I'm not. He's handsome, has abs, has a cool job, probably. Some people might hate you. You might have that in common. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely people that hate me. There's probably someone at your work who hates you that much. Oh, definitely. Maybe you should try and trick them into <laughs> pretending to be a couple. <laughs> Let's pretend we're friends for a day. Something's come up at work and we have to pretend to be friends for a day. That's the thing that lifts me out of this. If I don't like someone, I can't pretend for very long when I'm around them. I just can't deal with people I don't like. So I wouldn't be able to do this scenario at all. Yeah, usually the fun is really stretching it. So the reason why they have to do this thing is an odd situation, yeah. It's to get her ex off the scent and so he can get with some girl that he likes. There's usually some weird gain elsewhere. What will happen is there'll be a post-credit scene where he bumps into that woman a couple of years later that he was trying to get with at the wedding or whatever they're at and she says, oh no, I, I did like you but I didn't make a move because you had a girlfriend. Yeah, it could just be easier just to just try and be over. <laughs> Again, it won't be much of a movie but if you just try and be honest. Just walk up to her and say, hi, I'm Glenn Powell and I have abs and I am attracted to you and then see what happens. Yeah. That would work I imagine for a lot of people. It will make a very long movie though. <laughs> it wouldn't like, be. Sure, we can go for a date. Is that great? <laughs> and they lived happily ever after the film's 10 minutes long and i can go home they lived happily ever after for a bit so you can go home now <laughs> <laughs> great well that was a longer conversation about that than i was expecting cool next let's move on to lift which is a heist movie it looks like a pretty standard heist setup lots of style and glamorous locations and we're going to steal a plane because it's high stakes again coming straight off the rom-com one it's doing the heist movie stuff it's, it's all glamorous and it's doing the hits and everyone's cool and it's going to be high stakes and there's going to be a even more trouble down the line when they have to do an even higher stake i wonder if it'll be planned meticulously and then go wrong forcing them to improvise ah boy is that part of the plan or something so i knew you were interested enough to do this and that's why the actual real goal we went after the plane we we're after the sky itself or something <laughs> <laughs> these are also kind of fun these also just switch off your brain just kind of enjoy a little bit more tension a bit more stakes kind of movie so and again this looks like another good one yeah, it looks fine. Fun. 
Yeah, the real question is, though, they're stealing the plane because there's loads of money in it. Does that make it a money plane? I said a pony plane. I was, I was trying to think of a quote from Money Plane, but all I know is Money Plane. That's the only quote from that film. Just Kelsey Grammer saying dramatically, Money Plane. Money Plane. Over and over again. That's all he does for two hours. Yeah. That's a terrible film. No, not in it. I just know of it. <laughs> you just know of it. You've seen enough. I've seen enough. I've seen Kelsey Grammer saying Money Plane <laughs> and shout it through the phone at people. Yeah. Can't remember what it's about. That's all I remember. That's all I need to remember. That's all I need to know. Moving on. Dead Boy Detectives. Neil Gaiman thing. Yes, this is set in the Sandman-averse. Is it? Okay. The trailer says from the creator of Sandman, but I didn't know it was in the same universe. It's set in the Sandman-averse and will feature an Endless. Okay. But they are not saying which one. I think there's seven. But they could also just make up a new one. (laughs) (laughs) So it's Neil Gaiman doing the spooky thing. It's not too dissimilar to Good Omens, but see, it's just sort of hijinks in a weird world. Just seeing more of it from, again, obviously because in Sandman they follow Sandman and the whole world visiting bits to bits but this is just a bit more actually what does go on in the world that they live in it just looks spooky and weird and i'll probably watch it looks colorful yeah colorful and it's a little good omensy your game knows what's popular from at the moment it's like let's do more of this a decent high concept as well ghosts who solve mysteries yeah how oh, was that one randall and hopkirk <laughs> little randall oh, yeah. and hopkirky there was only one ghost in that there's only one unless I don't know, whichever one wasn't dead must have died at some point. They couldn't uh, both be ghosts. And then there was a prequel to it where there were just two detectives. Oh yeah, that was a very good idea. Let's do a prequel to the the thing, but we won't have the gimmick. Take the gimmick out. Famous for. Let's film a new series of Cheers, but it's when it's closed. <laughs> Norm just looking through the window and the guy's like, no, nah, still mopping and just signing off on these new crate of Budweiser's that's coming in. What's going to happen next weekend? Cheers after hours. <laughs> Cheers, but early morning. Cheers, everyone's in bed or at work. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. They do a Christmas special where the pub's just closed because it's Christmas. It's just, <laughs> just half an hour of the bar empty. And occasionally you hear someone walk past and there's a Christmas song playing on the radio somewhere or the bus. I don't know. Someone would watch it. Someone would, a freak. Not me, but someone would. Someone would. Let us know on the Discord if you'd watch that. But Ghosts Who Solve Mysteries, if that's what you want, then that's what you'll get. Spooky fun. We saw again in that kind of Wednesday vibe as well. She was Spooky Girl Solving Mysteries. Yeah. Well, Netflix is nothing if not algorithmically motivated. Doing the same things, yeah. This worked. Let's do another 10 of them until it doesn't, and then cancel them all after one season. Because mm-hmm. why not? Why not? But yeah, just Neil Gaiman, and I think it should be really fun. Yeah, I'll give it a try. Got a bit of a run of animation coming up. The first one is Pokemon Concierge, a stop motion style thing where someone goes to work at a Pokemon resort and it's her job to keep the Pokemon happy because otherwise they might rampage and kill everyone. I don't know. I like the design aesthetic. It's really nice and colourful. and Yeah, it's just easy to look at. It's just like, yeah, this is nice. I don't know much about Pokemon. I played Yellow. I think on the Game Boy Color. And I do remember the daycare center you can send them to. And it's the nitty gritty of the world again. <laughs> it's working in the world of Pokemon and it looks kind of pleasant. I don't think I've invested enough in Pokemon to tune in, but it's got a giant fan base. So it'll probably do pretty well. can never quite let go of Pokemon. I've been away from it and I usually come back just to see what's going on. I've got the most recent game. I have Pokemon Scarlet. There's the two of them, Scarlet and Violet. And I've got the Scarlet one for whatever reason. It was good fun. It was good to play on the Switch. Oh yeah, in real Pokemon style, there should be Pokemon Concierge. And then on a different streaming service, there's Pokemon Bus Boy or something, like a different job. (laughs) You have to get both of them to have a complete collection of nice Pokemon shows. You have to watch both of them. If you're a true Pokemon fan. Doesn't seem like Ryan Reynolds is in this one either. No, no. I've not been counting on the yes to no to Reynolds. 
But he could be in this because he's part of the Pokemon universe. Oh, yes, Detective Pikachu, so he could show up. <laughs> Detective Pikachu is good. If you haven't seen that, you should give that a watch. I don't think I've got Detective Pikachu, but it did look good and I heard good things. The visual effects are amazing. They really brought the world of Pokemon to life amazingly. And it's Bill Nye in it as well. Mm. If that is the sort of thing you enjoy. I've heard of him. <laughs> Amazon Prime's up next with Merry Little Batman. It's a fun animated Batman thing where Damian Wayne has to go and save Bruce Wayne from something because he gets stuck in a snowy mountain or something. Something, yeah. It's a oddly styled kind of regular show like version of Batman with all the different accentuated Alfred and Joker and whatever and Batman is indisposed and it's time for Damien to step up and become the new Batman and I don't know it looks not particularly must see but it looks kind of fun it looks kind of stupid and entertaining you must have enjoyed some of the references there was Batman and Robin references I like the joke who gave that kid a load of guns or something (laughs) (laughs) you are the child or whatever the nipple suit the nipple suit. It seems like it's doing a bit of what Lego Batman was doing. A little bit, but it looks a bit more... A bit sillier. A bit sillier, yeah. If such a thing is possible. But yeah, it's probably a good little festive thing to whittle away an hour or so. Beard Batman's a bit too weird. I don't know how I feel about Beard Batman with the cow and the beard. One or the other is fine. Batman with a beard out of cowl or Batman <laughs> clean-shaven in the cowl. But both is... No, that looks odd. <laughs> looks odd and weird. I don't know if I like it. Yeah, well... He won't be in it much. No. Luke Wilson's Batman voice seems pretty cool, though. Yeah, no, it's a pretty good Batman voice, and I can't remember who else is in it in terms of voice acting. Some other people. Chris Pratt. <laughs> Chris Pratt, yeah. Chris Pratt as Damian Wayne. Damian Wayne. Looks good. Looks harmless and silly. Yeah. I like when they can make Batman silly. I'm not a huge fan of the self-seriousness of it all. Yeah, I enjoy a silly Batman, because it is a very goofy concept. Yeah. For sure. Moving on to Ardman next, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. I think this is the second trailer we've had. We also have the Ardman outcry, the big Ardman panic. We've talked a lot about the casting issues. Uh, this is the Ardman are announcing that their current plasticine provider has gone out of business and they're not sure how many more stop motion movies they can make. <laughs> they put a statement out showing everyone that the future is relatively safe okay i didn't know there was such a plasticine shortage we are touched about recent concern over the future of our beloved clay creations but wanted to reassure fans there is absolutely no need to worry we have high levels of existing stocks of modeling clay to service current and future productions and much like wallace in his workshop we have been tinkering away behind the scenes for quite some time with plans in place to ensure a smooth transition onto new stocks to continue to make our iconic productions Ooh, okay plasticine shortage now i've heard everything so yeah there's been a plasticine shortage there'll be all these kids that will just be donating lumps of plasticine some people have said oh i'll send some plasticine in it's like no thank you (laughs) we need industrial clay and whatever yeah Yeah. we need like a ton of it this does look pretty fun seems like they're trying to save themselves from being slaughtered which might get quite dark actually yeah chicken run one was quite a brutal film where they get locked in a big oven (laughs) yeah and they're stuck in the axe and there's a shadow of what looks like a beheading. <laughs> so it's keeping on that sort of thing. Obviously, there's a controversy of the voice casting, but aside from that, it's more goofy chicken fun, and the first one was really good. There's your pull quote for the poster. Chicken run is chicken fun. It's chicken fun. <laughs> we get Mrs. Tweedy back as the villain. Mm-hmm. A shock reveal. But I thought she was a villain anyway. <laughs> it's finger licking good. I don't know. I'm trying to think of other pull quotes that you could get. Flock to theatres, I guess, is one. <laughs> but yeah, Arben always kind of win. They're always good, so it should be relatively fun. There was a joke I took a note of, There Go the Gourjons, which was a nice little adult joke. Yeah, there's always more to the script than you realise on the first pass. It's just every line upon, usually. 
What was the last Aardman film? Was it that one with Tom Hiddleston in it where they play football or something? Yeah, it was Early Man. That and then it. they recently did a Star Wars Visions. All oh, right, I've not seen that one. That was a good one where they do a, a little race with Pilot and a mum, which is very Aardman and very charming. And there's another Wallace and Gromit in the works, reportedly, as well. Yeah, they did announce what it was called, but I can't remember. Something to do with gnomes. Problem is, when they announce something, it's like 10 years away because it takes them so long. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, they are in 2027 or something. Yeah. But this is coming out. It's a Netflix only thing, which is a bit of a shame. I feel like this would do well in the cinema. Yeah, I think this probably would, but I suppose Netflix might do a limited release or something. Mm, I doubt it's it. all playing around with that, but limited is, tends to be very limited. Yeah, like one screening somewhere in America. Yeah, or wherever Nick Park lives. <laughs> somewhere impressed let's move on Disney Plus next Percy Jackson and the Olympians full trailer for this I don't know much about this but there was two films that released some years ago that people may or may not have liked it depends it was enough to get two of them so I guess there was some merit to it yeah, apparently they were pretty good I missed these but apparently it was a good series yeah I think I was just too old for them sort of idea when they were out so it was yeah there's kids in this I'm not watching this I want to watch stuff with older people in it but there's age appropriate actors in this which is a good touch, I guess. The visuals look really good. It looks really impressive. And the whole mythology thing. And then you've got mixes of destiny and finding yourself, coming of age, all that good stuff. Yeah, knowing fun with the gods as well. Because obviously all the Greek gods are just weird party animals. <laughs> I was like when they're just irresponsible. And looks like we're getting that. I think it's tied to Taika Waititi's Dionysus, I think. One day we'll need to ask Kat about her views on the Percy Jackson series. Yeah, after a recap before the series. I don't know about that. Or at least a summary, or a thumbs up or thumbs down. It may come up that someone has watched it when it appears in December. I don't know if I'll end up watching this, but maybe I will. It looks all right. It could be fine, it looks pretty good. I have Disney Plus until they ban me from account sharing. Until they ban you from account sharing then, yeah. So get on it. <laughs> got a limited window before they revoke my access. Yeah. For trying to save a bit of money. Good fun, not for us again, but looks like good fun that we could still enjoy, but... Yeah. Obviously, we're not the main audience, but I think this will do pretty well with YA audience, like young adults and stuff. So, sort of 12 year olds. Yeah, sort of 12. So, going into early high school, year seven and eight and whatever. So, this looks really fun. Um, yeah, this looks pretty solid. So, <laughs> no, I should say about really. Might be a good hungover Boxing Day watch. Who knows? Maybe, yeah. Worth a go. Feels like one of those. Yeah. Next up, we have Ted the series. It's a TV series about Ted. It's. Set in the 90s, so you can imagine there'll be lots of teenage masturbation jokes and stuff like that. But this teaser is Ted talking to himself through a letter. Pretty obvious references such as, you'll get a show on the big streaming service, we've got a show, and so on. Stuff like that. So it's quite funny. I like the Ted movies, I think they're alright. I only saw the first one, I didn't really like it very much, except for one joke which I really liked. Which was? Which was, there's nothing more powerful than a child's imagination except for an attack helicopter. <laughs> It's Patrick Stewart, isn't it? Yeah, Patrick Stewart, because he's good friends with Seth MacFarlane. Oh, because he's in American Dad, yeah. Yeah, and he does a bit in Family Guy as well. Not a big Ted fan, so not super enthusiastic about the return of Ted. Fair enough. But but liked it, and people like Seth MacFarlane. But not really caught up with what he's doing. Is the Orville still... The Orville hasn't been officially cancelled, but... Doesn't mean any word on it either. The last series of the Orville was pretty good, actually. It stopped trying to be funny, and it became more sci-fi-ish. He just wanted to make Star Trek, so he just did that. It's legally distinct Star Trek is exactly what it is. Yeah. With some jokes sometimes. But yeah, it's good. And I haven't watched Family Guy or American Dad in years. No, I've not seen it in a long time. I think they're still going? I've not checked. They are, yeah. I'll maybe give Ted a watch as a series, who knows? Yeah. It's worth an episode at least. Worth an episode. It won't have Mark Wahlberg in it? No, it won't have Mark Wahlberg in it. 
unless it does. And yeah, he voices Ted, doesn't he? He does. Ted sounds exactly like Peter Griffin. Yeah. Well, not quite. But it's sort of how Seth MacFarlane sounds. Well, he sounds more like Brian the dog. Yeah, because Brian is just his natural voice, isn't it? And then the dad from American Dad as well. Yeah. And he'll probably do some crooning. Probably. He likes his song and dance numbers. He loves his song and dance numbers. I think the last thing I saw him in was Sing. He's very good in Sing as the little mouse. Or the Sinatra mouse. Yeah, the Sinatra mouse. I really like the Sinatra mouse. I mean, that's the last Seth MacFarlane performance I've seen. Okay. Sing was ages ago, unless it was Sing 2. I think he cameos in Sing 2, but I also only watched Sing for the first time, just before Sing 2's release. They're very good. I enjoy the Sing So, this might be diverting enough. Yeah. I'll watch one episode and see how I like it. Okay, okay. And you'll tell me, probably. Yeah, and then you'll still never watch it. It'll make no difference. I'll still never watch it. Yeah. Let's move on to Zack Snyder's Star Wars, or as it's actually called, Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. But it's not a very Twitter-friendly title. No. Do you think you'd be more excited for a new Zack Snyder film if you were separate from like, the online community that surrounds it? Well, I'm largely separate from it. Anyway, I've sort of ignored that side of it. I and mean, I feel like the online world is unavoidable with his things. But it's also easy enough to ignore because they're just awful people. They are, but they're very vocal. So I'm so worried about it. This looks pretty cool, but also this is probably going to lead into a hashtag... Give him Star Wars or hashtag <laughs> Snyder Cut something. Hashtag the Snyderverse. Well, this has a Snyder Cut already. It has a Snyder Cut already. It's long and it's going to be longer. It's just going to be a lot of people going like, oh, this is the real Star Wars sequel. And I think that's definitely impacted. I was like, this looks kind of cool, but I'm also really not looking forward to all the online baggage that's going to be around forever. <laughs> Yeah, I can just enjoy Zack Snyder's work as a piece of work, really. I do think that he enables the sycophants that follow him, though. He's a bit like Donald Trump on January the 6th, taking ages to say, right, guys, that's enough. Yeah, it's not as criminal. No, it's quite an extreme comparison, that. In fairness to him, if I was a film director or I had a franchise, I would immediately weaponize mass voices for it because like for example the Snyder Cut would have never happened if it wasn't for people trying to store the Snyder Cut for like I don't know six years or however long that went on for it also would never have happened if it wasn't for a pandemic and a streaming service needed content and they just had this thing they could edit together quite easily but I think when you have that level of devoted fan base you wouldn't ignore them no you couldn't ignore them it's the ultimate marketing tool. If you don't even have to market, when you've got such a devoted fan base, you're like, oh, well, I can kind of do what I want, you know, do my own vision of whatever I want to do. I can do whatever. And there's already a big audience who are not only definitely going to turn up to see it, but they'll also probably push for more of it. If I was him, I'd also definitely be like, yeah, keep tweeting, guys, or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, back to this. This looks, yeah, it's Star Wars, like you said, but it looks pretty nice. It looks pretty fun, weird. I really hope it gets a cinema release because it feels like it should get one. It looks cinematic. Snyder's last film didn't get a cinema release either, Army of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Well, it uh, wasn't that good, but still. I'm sure the online people will demand one. But yeah, this looks like it'd be more like an event film. You're like, I'll go see this on the big screen where it's supposed to be seen and stuff. I'll sit there for almost four hours in IMAX and watch that. Yeah, hey, ages. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the outcry from the Snyder fan base is insane. It's the restore the Snyderverse sell the Snyderverse to Netflix without even accounting for the fact that, well, Zack Snyder doesn't seem interested in making them anymore. And also none yeah. of the actors do. Yeah, that time's passed. You're not going to get Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck to come back and reprise their roles for our three films or four films or whatever it is. At least it's not the DC universe. 
Yeah. But if it is his own thing and he's got total control and he's working with Netflix and stuff, he'll probably let him just do whatever. There won't be as much sort of victimizing stuff that was with, like, who didn't get to make his pure vision or he was controlled by the studio or was all this. It's like, no, no, you'll be getting 100% what he wants to make, how he wants to make it. There's no excuse for it being crap. It's exactly what he wanted to make. Yeah, if it's rubbish, then he made it exactly like that way. I'm not seeing much Zack Snyder, I don't think. I saw the Owl movie. That was good. That was probably the best one. I didn't like Sucker Punch. Man of Steel. Man of Steel was pretty good. Batman v Superman has its moments, I think. It's real bad. His version of Dawn of the Dead was really good. I'm not seeing the, I'm not seeing the Snyder cut. I think I've only seen the other three before Batman. Army of the Dead, I didn't like that one very much. Snyder cut, didn't see. 300. 300. 300's alright. I think 300 was very much of its time. It was very cool then. It's really cool when you're like 14. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> slow motion, blood and gore, and people getting pushed off a cliff or whatever. And Jerry Butler yelling. Jerry Butler shouting, this is Sparta. But I reckon if you watch now, I'd see like, oh, this is a lot of slow-mo, and oh, this is a lot of <laughs> weird styles and whatever. There's plenty of slow-mo in this trailer. Yep. And there's lightsabers. There's slow-mo and lightsabers. Lightsabers do work in slow-mo, I think, especially ones that are just fire. Well, these are swords that catch fire rather than yeah. lightsabers, but the effect is the same. The effect is the same, and they're kind of red, and they're probably a villain. Sofia Batella, she's great. I love her and everything I've seen her in. So this is the first of two parts. I think so. Born of Fire or whatever, and then Tomorrow is a Window or something, whatever the next one's called. He's already planning spin-offs and tie-in novels and animated series and everything else. He's already planned a full sprawling universe, and we haven't seen one minute of actual film yet, <laughs> other than the trailer. So I Google Zack Snyder Rebel move, and you know, as the Google suggested questions, the first one is, what is Zack Snyder doing? <laughs> I think it means in general. Part two, The Scar Giver. Okay. Which is coming out in 20-something, whenever. I think this deserves a cinematic release, and I hope it gets one. This looks like it should be in the cinemas, because it's designed for it. Can't be accused of not being stylish. He has a very specific style. That's his thing. That was the difference between his DC movies and the MCU movies, where the MCU movies had been accused of having a flat style in them. No, yeah, he's definitely all about the spectacle. Whereas Zack Snyder's DC universe was, well, it was a flat style in the sense that it was his style, but also it was very dynamically presented. Yeah. I mean, the Snyder Cut is gorgeous to look at. It really is. It's like four hours, though, so I'll never see it. Well, you could watch it in chunks. I could do. Or just not. I don't or know. Or not. I probably never will. You could just watch Justice League 2017 and just feel empty. I could watch a bit where Superman flies past holding that building. That's a good bit. <laughs> so, looks good. I love Sofia Batella and everything, Kingsman and so on. She's been great in everything that I've seen her in. I don't know what to make of this. The trailer, it makes it look a bit kind of whatever, but I do want to see it on the biggest screen possible. Exactly, yeah. It's an IMAX sort of evening out movie. Yeah, rather than watch it on the bus on your phone, as some people do with Netflix. And there's not going to be any Star Wars out for a while, so this is probably the next best thing for a bit. <laughs> Zack Snyder's Star Wars. Well, we'll see. It's coming out, whether we like it or not. It's happening, yeah. Okay, let's move on. We've got some Marvel stuff, which is exciting. We have a trailer for What If, and they're doing something different with the release schedule for this. Starting 22nd of December... They're releasing one episode a day for nine days, which seems mad. Do they want people to cover their stuff anymore? So what if series one was weekly? Nine weeks. But now this one's going to be daily. Yeah. And they're trailing it as a, an event series rather than a it's on every day. I think that Marvel are just experimenting with release strategies just to see what happens. Yeah. I think also if they're releasing it over Christmas, Christmas is sort of a dead period for TV. So it's like, well, there's nothing on except for like Christmas movies. So we might as well put something out that is new daily while at your parents' house or whatever. It's like, oh, I'll just watch the new What If, which I think will probably work better than weekly. Plus it's half an hour. 
yeah, it's like just episode. And they'll be probably a little connected, but probably not as much connected. So you can dip in and out. I know like the first series, I think I watched three or four of them, but I didn't watch all of them. And the finale brought all the episodes together. Yeah, it just kind of tied them all together. This one, I'm going to go through what the trailer shows us bits of and what all the episodes are. This isn't actually an order of airing. It's just from the trailer, what we can see. I think it's almost an order from the trailer. I'll confess, I used someone else's breakdown so I could get all the bits, because I'm not sitting there analysing it frame by frame. Who has the time? I've watched a trailer, but I can't really tell what's going on, because a lot of the characters look. If there's slight differences in, say, this person is now being played by this person, it's either moving too fast or it looks too similar. can't tell if that's a new Ant-Man or a different Ant-Man, or if that's normal Tony Stark or like Howard Stark. Or like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It's just another guy in the thing, so it's kind of hard to tell. Well, one of them is, what if Peter Quill attacked Earth's Mightiest Heroes? And the premise seems to be that he was delivered to Eagle as planned, and then gets weaponized and sent to Earth where he attacks a version of the Avengers that have to assemble to fight him, I guess. Is this the 90s Avengers? Yeah, so it includes Hank Pym, Bill Foster, who was Lawrence Fishburne's character. Oh, Goliath? Goliath, yeah. And T'Chaka, so T'Challa's father. Yeah. Bucky and Annette Benning as Star Force from Captain Marvel. Yeah. Kind of. She's Star Force. You might have the Wasp, I don't know. Maybe. So that's one of the things that's happening. It's it's a child Peter Quill attacking the Avengers. Oh, is that the kid that's kind of like glowy eyes? Yeah. And I think Ego might be involved as well. Yeah. One of the notes I have actually is these what if questions. It's what if questions I've never asked, really. Such as, what if Hela found the Ten Rings? I can't imagine a never thought about that to be honest i like what if marvel made a new superhero for the tv show <laughs> <laughs> well that's coming up it's not really a what if it was debuting a new character what if we tried something <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like hella escapes earlier than she's supposed to and teams up with wen Wu and other shang chi stuff yeah fights odin and whatever yeah so that's a thing that's happening what if nebula joined the nova Corps, which suggests that she leaves Thanos of her own evolution a bit earlier and joins an overcore. What if, I don't know, I've never asked that question. Maybe it's good. It'd probably be quite good. Yeah. What if the Avengers assembled in 1602? So it's just Marvel 1602, which is the Neil Gaiman story, isn't it? Yeah, it's Neil Gaiman story. Right. So it's Captain America with the rapier and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So in the comic, it's very much based on Doctor Doom, the Fantastic Four and the X-Men, which are not going to be <laughs> Well, they might be. Well, they might be because, yeah, I think it's the, the Spanish Armada is run by Carlos Xavier and they're the sort of the Conquistadors and then there's Latveria and it's Doctor Doom and not read the comic in quite a while, but that's the driving conflict of that story so I guess you could just do any conflict in 1602 and kind of use a similar style. But there's 1602 versions of every major character, isn't there? Pretty much, yeah. Iron Man's just a knight. Iron Man's a knight. Peter Parker is, I think, a, is either a ward for Daredevil, I think, or Matt Murdock. I think it's an archer or something. Doctor Strange is the king's wizard. I think Reed Richards was the king, I can't quite remember. Uh, or the advisor or something. I'm not really in a long time. I remember one of the characters isn't from 1602. One of them is a contemporary. I can't remember which one it was, but one of them is a time traveller. <laughs> That's one part I remember, but it probably won't be in the episode. It could be. Yeah, who knows? But again, it's not going to be the comic 1602. It'll probably just be the Avengers with swords. With some loose connections to the 1602 universe. Probably, yeah. That's strange I'll kick about in that. Another one is, what if Iron Man crashes into the Grandmaster so it's Iron Man ends up on Sakaar? 
Oh yeah, they have a drag race, it's Mad Max and stuff. Yeah, actually that was a season one episode that they didn't get finished in time. Okie dokie. So in the finale of the previous season, there's a version of Gamora that you've never seen before in the other episodes. She's from that episode, so that's where that comes from. Yeah, and they're doing a sequel, aren't they? Doing What If More Hydra Stomper or something. Yes, another one is What If Captain Carter Fought the Hydra Stomper, so it's just going to be Winter Soldier, more or less. I think my favourite is Die Hard with Happy Hogan. What if Happy Hogan saved Christmas? Seems it's Die Hard with Happy in Avengers slash Stark Tower. He calls Darcy of all people. Yeah, because I think my favourite of the first ones was What If Thor Was Just a Party Boy? Because <laughs> that was a funny one, and I think this is going to be the funny one. They're the best ones. Darcy in dialogue references Con Air and Under Siege, which are films that are famously influenced slash ripped off from Die Hard. Yeah, that looks the best one. If they release a Christmas Day one, that'll be that one. Yeah, it's bound to be the Christmas Day one. Yeah, of all of them, that seems the most fun. Another one is, what if Strange Supreme intervened? Nothing more than that. That's probably the end. That's the team-up one where it's like, well, I'm going to take over the responsibility of the Watcher, but I'm going to manipulate it. It's not a lot to go on, is it? What if Strange Supreme intervened? Intervened in what? How can I get excited about him intervening if I don't know what he's intervening in? If that's the finale, which I'm going to guess is the doing, then he's just going to go back and tweak what happens in each story. So say if... I don't know, in 1602 story, their Captain America is slain. Or he'll go back to the Peter Quill one and he'll go like, well, they didn't use this advantage, so I'm going to tweak it for what he thinks is the universal benefit. So this happens instead and stuff. So imagine it'll be, what if the events of the previous what-ifs played out in a different favour, I think is the the general plot of that. There's all sorts of suggestions of what the big bad could be. Thanos is in there and there's looks like different takes on the Infinity War fight with Captain Carter there and stuff like that. So that could be a thing. Who knows? I don't know what will be going on there. There will probably be another Guardians of the Multiverse. The Watcher mentions about it being a sequel and sequels are rare for him. So it suggests that they're doing something similar again. So they'll bring together another team of disparate universe heroes to fight against some kind of threat, which may be Strange Supreme, might be some version of Thanos, who has the Ten Rings as well as the Infinity Stones. Well, I guess that's also the thing with what if Doctor Strange intervenes. He could just be intervening with a Thanos or with the Guardians. So even no matter who the big bad is, it could just be like, oh, that could be an intervention sort of thing. And the new character you alluded to is Kahori, her name is. She's of indigenous descent. And it's what if the Tesseract landed somewhere else and basically it gives her powers and it changes everything. Colonialism doesn't happen and, and whatever else. So this could be a new character. They're planning a workshop in the show before they possibly bring her into live action. Probably. They did that with Captain Carter. She's still Agent Carter, but that specific version of her turned up. So they'll probably bring this character into live action at some point. Yeah. Unless it's really unpopular. Unless it's unpopular, yeah. You've got Killmonger back as well. They like to throw Killmonger in these things. Yeah, because he's popular, so they'll bring him in. In the trailer, a lot of this is just stuff. It's a bit hard to tell why it is at the moment. And Kevin Feige said that what if stemmed from Sylvie stabbing He Who Remains? The catalyst or whatever for this. Yeah. I'm not inclined to believe what Kevin Feige says. It doesn't sound like he knows what he's talking about half the time. You know how he says that the MCU is Universe 616 and he keeps putting that in things? It's not. Yeah, it's the, if anything like that happens, it's a wizard did it method. It's not Universe 616. That's the comics. The MCU is 1099.99 or something. Isn't it 1999.99? Oh, look, it's funny, Iman Vellani, when she's interviewed, I just want to do more stuff. If Kevin Feige wants to believe this is 616, I'm going to let him believe that. Oh yeah, for a bit. I'm going to bother him again. <laughs> yeah, I think the what-ifs, they don't sound super fun. They're kind of weird ones, yeah. They're weird, but they're not I'm trying to think of more out-there examples. But they could be more goofy, I think. I'm making this argument, but I also can't think of any at the moment. Are you going to watch these, do you think? 
Probably, yeah, because they're kind of short. I'll do what I did last year. Like, I'll dip in if they seem good. I'll let you know my thoughts on each of them as I go, and you can decide. Sounds like you're definitely going to watch Happy Hogan Does Die Hard. I'll watch Happy Hogan Saves Christmas. I'll probably watch the 1602 one. Setting-wise, that's going to be a character's a bit different, so that'll be kind of fun. Kahori, you've, you have to see her. Oh yeah, I'll see the new character to see what they're about. And I'll just sort of gauge the rest. I'll probably watch the finale. Fair enough. That's all on What If. Thank you, I think, Screen Crush for their trailer breakdown that I stole from. I don't have the patience or the time to sit and watch a trailer frame by frame. Fortunately, the internet is full of people that will do that for me. Good work, someone else. Yeah, thanks. You give me something to talk about. Otherwise, I would have just been like, yeah, it's a collection of images. Wanda's there. Some stuff in it. Wanda's there. Someone's there. Ant-Man. And Ant-Man. <laughs> Ant-Man. And it's, it sounds like Michael Douglas. Is it Michael Douglas? Don't know. Remember last season, we had the Spider-Man that sounded exactly like Tom Holland. It turns out it wasn't Tom Holland voicing him. Oh, yeah. The other thing I remember about that is that was a joke where it was a zombie apocalypse. And he's like, I've got an antibacterial gel. It's like, oh, great. I'll save the world. If only you knew. People marvel Spider-Man was the most prepared one of the lot. (laughs) Let's move on to the next thing. This one is on just after What If, actually. It starts early January. Echo, I say starts. It just drops early January, all of it on one day, all six episodes. This looks like a Netflix show, but I mean that in a good way. So Echo, she's been in Hawkeye, and she's related to Kingpin in some way. Is she like an adopted daughter? or Niece, I think. Niece. I don't know if it's an actual blood relation. I think it's, you know, when you call people your uncle, but they're not really your uncle. Biologically, I mean. She's a person in his sort of inner circle of care. He's sort of going like, I'll look after this person. But she's also vigilante and about. Well, she feels betrayed by him in Hawkeye and then shoots him in the face, but he survives it somehow. And now he's back. One of the first shots in the trailer is him brutally beating someone and there's actual blood. Yeah, it's just wailing on an ice cream guy. Yeah. He's not quite slamming someone's head in a car door, but... It's pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. Speaking of Kingpin, Daredevil is also briefly glimpsed in the trailer. Yeah, it's good to have. And it looks like he's wearing his Netflix costume rather than the She-Hulk costume. He's got his Netflix costume, yeah, so the She-Hulk costume. It's good to have Kingpin back. I think Vincent D'Ofrio is really good. Say Charlie Cox is also very good as Daredevil, but I feel like... Because obviously they have some form of Daredevil show happening at some point. He'll probably be in like an episode, I'd imagine. When Kingpin will be back in Daredevil as well. Yeah, but I think this will be mostly more focused on the two. This will be a Kingpin thing. I mean, it looks pretty good. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Aaron's even interested, but it seems like that's on his wavelength. It's more on his wavelength, yeah. Coming from, yeah, I've not watched a show that introduces this character to the MCU. So I'll still sort of join in, but see how much it picks up from the Hawkeye show or how standalone this show is. I imagine it'll be very standalone because the Hawkeye show doesn't spend a lot of time telling you about her backstory with Fisk. Fisk doesn't appear until the last episode. Yeah, he was a surprise in the end, didn't he? Although I would still say watch Hawkeye. I gave you that homework during the Marvels as well. Watch it. It's great. You get to see the introduction of Kate Bishop and she's amazing and you get to see Fisk. Kingpin surprise her to Yeah. <laughs> and he wears a silly Hawaiian shirt and his white big hat. There's this Hawaiian shirt and his, and his little hat. Yeah, it's good. Which is a costume he wore in a Spider-Man comic, apparently. There has been some concerning things about this, though. Sydney Freeland who is the director, or one of the directors, was talking about adapting the character. Said all the the stuff you would expect, like ASL was something that was extremely important to everybody here, and having the deaf perspective represented, we want to embrace ASL. That seems good, and I wonder how they're going to deal with adapting a deaf character, because surely for the audience to be able to follow it, she's always going to have to have someone to effectively translate for her. You could do sign language and subtitle. They did that in Hawkeye as well, but you also need someone for her to speak to. And I wonder, how's she going to speak to Daredevil? That'll be an interesting one, because she can't talk and he can't see. Yeah. 
Well, you can see because he has the radar vision. You can probably see sign language, yeah. yeah. Daredevil, he can see as much as you need him to see. <laughs> exactly. Which tends to be the way. So that sounds really good. Although I wonder if she'll end up being a background player in her own show because of that, because they don't know how to do that kind of character. I suppose we'll have to wait and see. Well, I guess the easy way around it is a lot of it focused on her missions and stuff where she's just working alone, where she doesn't need to communicate with anyone, all the action set pieces and stuff. And then I guess I'll give her a buddy for... Someone who uses ASL. Yeah, she'll have an ASL friend or whoever when she's not beating people up and stuff. However, Sydney Freeland also said about the comics, her power in the comic books is that she can copy anything, any movement, any whatever. It's kind of lame. Oh, like a taskmaster. Yeah, and I will say this is not her power. I'll just kind of leave it at that. So they've changed her power, which I don't have a problem with by itself because the MCU is always changing things. Ms. Marvel doesn't have her comic book power set, for example. No. She just uses light constructs to do the same stuff she would in the comics. Yeah. Which, again, not a problem. But it's the choice of words here. It's the fact that this person's come in and said, I've decided that the comic book sucks and I'm changing it. Yeah, I can see that one gone down well. It could have been worded that we didn't think it worked for the story we wanted to tell and we thought we could change it without derailing the character or something like that. Also, using the word lame is a very poor choice of words. It's not a choice of words. For someone that has a missing limb. Yeah. I think when you get a sense from this trailer what her power was, or than just being really good. But they're going to dig into her indigenous background and stuff like that, so that could be cool. But also, it used to be eight episodes, and now it's only six, so who knows what this is going to end up being like. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see early next year. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic, I suppose. Yeah, I think it'll be fairly fun. Yeah, but watch Hawkeye. I'm just going to keep saying it until you do it. Keep saying it until I do it. And then I won't do it again, because you'll have done it. But yeah. So the last trailer, and this is the most fun one, I think. Madam Web. We have a trailer for that. And I saw online someone describe it as looking like a CW pilot. And my f- thought was, yeah, it looks exactly like a CW pilot. You know that show Gotham Knights? Yeah. It reminds me of the trailer for that in a lot of ways. This looks awful. Yeah. Madam Web, well, the only version I know of is the big wicker chair I see all. The 90s cartoon one. 90s cartoon Madam Web. The 90s cartoon one is actually quite an out there adaptation because in the comics, she's just an old lady who is a psychic. Yeah. But obviously now she's a cosmic being. As opposed to a god, essentially, yeah. Yeah. So this version, she's linked to other spider people or what's he called? Ezekiel Slim or something. Ezekiel isn't a villain in the comics. I think he's an ally to Peter Parker. He's like some rich guy that has spider powers. Mean Spider-Man is going to kill three various spider women. Three or four, I'm not sure. Three or four various spider women. And Madam Web has... Not predictions. Premonitions. Premonitions of these events happening and has to stop. It's a bit like Final Destination. It's Spider-Man Final Destination. Or Nicolas Cage's next powers. I'm not saying next, but... He has premonition powers. Well, she has premonition powers. And also Ben Parker is involved. Adam Scott is Ben Parker. So I'm assuming that this is going to be the opposite. Like, oh no, she has to prevent him from being saved. Ben Parker's going to die, but this is for the best outcome that he does. You have to make sure this guy dies. I guess that's going to be the twist. In a universe where you're not allowed to acknowledge that Spider-Man exists. Yes, yeah, it's, like, it's important for reasons that we won't get into. <laughs> You think you were supposed to save Ben Parker, but no, you have to absolutely make sure this guy dies for... Yeah, don't worry about it. But he has to die in a very specific way. Otherwise, redacted will never come to pass. Which means there needs to be a scene where he says, with great power comes great responsibility, but we don't see who he's talking to. He's just saying it. (laughs) 
presumably to Spider-Man. He's like, come here, my... Uh, <laughs> my... my uh, if you're a friend or son or something, you can't say. Come here, my brother's son. Come here, you, my relative that we won't specify. <laughs> know this, and either it applies to you or pass it on or something. It's been suggested by some people that have looked at this more forensically than I have that it might be set in the 90s. Can't tell the difference. Doesn't look like it isn't set in the 90s. That lines up with, I guess, Ben Parker be about. It lines up with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, I guess. <laughs> but again, the same with Raven the Hunter and that movie that's coming out. And they could be like, this is set in the Victorian era. And you're like, okay, it's got a leather vest on or something. <laughs> Basically, it's set when it looks like the film should have came out about 20 years ago. <laughs> it's set whenever, yeah. But yeah, this just looks like another one of them. Yeah. There are three Spum movies next year. This, Craven and Venom 3. And only one MCU movie next year, which is actually kind of a Fox movie. Yeah. Weird year off for these things. Venom 3 won't come out next year. No, they're getting straight to work on it, apparently. The same way I'm straight to work on watching Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen first? We realise we've got to write it, so that'll come out in the 2025. Nah, they don't need to do that. They just let Tom Hardy go insane and jump in lobster tanks and stuff. No, I think they got to start writing these. It seems like a bad idea. That's what we've learned from the Marvels. So you got to start writing stuff. So Dakota Johnson's playing a more modern version of Madame Web, who is someone that Jessica Drew, I think it is, who's past Madame Web's powers, or psychic powers, but also has spider powers. And she wears that leather jacket yeah. that you see in the trailer. The internet has been absolutely savaging the line. The joke isn't funny anymore. Oh, he was with my mum in the rainforest when she was studying spiders before she died. The exact line is, he was in the Amazon with my mom when she was researching spiders right before she died. People just do not talk like that. <laughs> these Sony movies, right, they generally get really good casts, but what are they doing in these films? Do they lie and say it'll be an MCU movie? It's probably, it's an MCU movie, but you don't have to sign on for that many. <laughs> so like when they get Dakota Johnson or Matt Smith or Tom Hardy or whatever, it's like, it's going to be a, a superhero movie in the Spider-Verse, but we just need you for one. You're not like a 10-year contract with him. You just do one. So it's much less of a, if you're doing a Marvel movie, it's like, yeah, we're going to need you for like five at the minimum or whatever. Whereas here, it's like, we'll do one and see if it's good and then maybe another one. And if you do one of these, we won't kill everyone that you care about. We won't kill everyone you care about. Marvel specifically go like, we do kill everyone you care about. What I said earlier about Sydney Sweeney can probably do better than that film that she's in with Glenn Powell. This is what I was referring to, because what is she doing here? You get to see a quick flash of the costumes that they end up wearing. So I think it's supposedly semi-comic accurate costumes, but I'm guessing it'll be five minutes, if that, of the film. Those robot spider arms, you're not seeing much of them. They'll be sort of just dashed about. They could be in premonition, so they're a little bit weird and blurry and dreamy, and they'll be whatever. They'll turn up, but I don't think they'll be like all the way through. It's one of those trailers you watch it and you think, is this for real? Is this a joke? Show us the real trailer. It's on par with what you expect from the Sony Marvel Spider-Man stuff. Did you read the rumour that Tom Holland's Spider-Man 4 is going to merge the Spum universe into the MCU? That'd be worse, wouldn't it? Tom Holland just needs like a normal one. Yeah, can he have one Spider-Man movie where he just is Spider-Man? He just does a Spider-Man and it's not Iron Man's fault. I feel like the next one should just be like Tom Holland's Spider-Man and it's Black Cat or someone. And that's it. Like Homecoming, just do a Homecoming again. Yeah, let's not have someone annoyed Tony Stark coming after him. Let's not have the multiverse. Let's not have any of that. Let's just have Peter Parker juggling a double life as a superhero and whatever he's doing as well. Yeah, just do a normal one. Yeah, none of this. Oh God, why are other universities coming in again? Who are these people? Also, these aren't popular films. Marvel aren't be like, oh, we have to include Spider-Man versus Morbius. 
Well, Venom was bafflingly popular. Venom was bafflingly popular. I think Tom Hardy, he could show up. I think that when they say merge them, I think it's Tom Hardy specifically. <laughs> then again, I feel also if you did, oh, Morbius is showing up in Spider-Man, I'd go see it. Just come and see what Morbius does. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, what are they going to do this time with him? It was such a weird mess the first time. Now I want to know what happens again. As Michael Keaton pulls together the worst Sinister Six you've ever seen. Well, it's just six different films. Have you seen Morbius? No, I've seen the clips of Morbius. Well, there's the post credit scene where Michael Keaton turns up in the Spum universe and then he meets Morbius for some reason. Oh yeah, well, Michael Keaton in quotes. A guy turns up, Vulture turns up. Well, Michael Keaton is definitely in at least a couple of seconds of that footage but his character meets up with Michael Morbius and suggests maybe we should get a team together and maybe you shouldn't because that's going to really suck so Michael Keaton comes back into the MCU and he's like look at my team of Tom Hardy's Venom and Morbius we're here to kill you for some reason Tom Hardy and and Venom count as two (laughs) (laughs) so that's four already then Ezekiel I guess Ezekiel whatever and Carnage Carnage. (laughs) (laughs) even though he was killed he was killed. Oh, there's Toxin as well. Hint at that. Oh, yeah. And whoever the first one was. Riot or? Riot or Scream or something. The grey one. We've got the grey one and some of the red one. It's just Michael Keaton with slightly different coloured symbiotes, but it's in the dark, so you can't see anything. Yeah. Anyway, Madam Web has a really good cast. It has an excellent cast. Oh, Craven the Hunter. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're making Craven the Hunter. He can turn up in Spider-Man. Sorry. <laughs> he could. I don't want that. And his room of spiders. I've seen the PS5 version of Craven and you're not topping that yeah but Adam Webb has a really good cast you've got Dakota Johnson you've got Isabella Merced you've got Sydney Sweeney some others how can you have that caliber of a cast and make it look like this and how can they be happy with that as well it boggles the mind well again I think this is what's gonna start being phased out is just like this'll do <laughs> I wonder if this will have a, a Morbius type following obviously the trailer might just be terrible and the film might be great but it'd be one of those there's some kind of meme that gets associated with it and then Sony mistake that as popularity and re-release it and it does even worse no it's funny with Morbius because it's Jared Leto yeah. and it's funny when he doesn't do well but it's not funny when good actors are in a film that doesn't perform well but when it's Jared Leto it's like oh we don't like him and this movie was bad, so we should bring this up all the time. If you've got Sydney Sweeney doing this, that means there's less chance you could do something like Black Cat, which is a role I think she'd be really good in. Yeah. So yeah, if you were like, oh, these people win a poor film, that's just mean. They're not their fault. They just turned up. Yeah. They got paid. They got Joke's paid, on you. Yeah. You have to watch it. Well, you don't. No one's asking you to. Yeah, this isn't just a big old grey sludge or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> also, it looks like one of those we get the whole film in the trailer type trailers. Yeah, we know what it is. It's premonitions and it's a guy and then he has to do this. And the... At least they cancelled Magic Wrestler Mask, Spider-Man spin-off movie. Oh, um, El Muerto. He might be in it. No, that's not happening anymore. They might have merged it. They might be like, we've filmed some bad bunny stuff so you can turn up. He's now Craven's best friend for some reason. It's Craven's friend. The character isn't rabbit theme, but bad bunny is animal theme, so he'd been Craven. <laughs> and with his wrestler mask. He can just be called Bad Bunny now. <laughs> Don't you just hate it when you see someone who was in the Amazon with your mom when she was researching spiders right before she died? Yeah, what a thing. It's incredibly descriptive. It's very succinct. <laughs> very to the point. But I'm already sick of the meme, so can we retire it? Probably. No more. Don't give it any more attention. But I'll still watch this, though, because I watch all this crap. Yeah, this is your fault. <laughs> it could be a let's go have a few beers and then go watch it type film. It could be. could also have a few beers and watch a good film. <laughs> Nah, there'll be nothing else out that week. That's true, there'll be nothing else out. We'll just go see that in IMAX so it'll look even worse. Sweet, extra boy. (laughs) (laughs) That was our last trailer. 
How exciting. Once the trailer's done, so now it's just on to stuff. Other stuff. Let's move on to some of our pillars. We have our usual pillars on Neil Before Pod, mostly just Marvel and DC, which is all we've got this month. The first one is a report from Forbes. Hopefully isn't behind a paywall. The MCU is now reportedly backing away from Jonathan Major's Kang. So there's been a lot of speculation about if he's found guilty, and even if he isn't, is it appropriate to go with this considering all the smoke that there is associated with him? But the suggestion is they're possibly getting rid of Kang entirely, just abandoning that whole plotline completely instead of recasting. And I was reading somewhere that that's possibly because the way the contracts work is Kang, because he's a multiverse character, who could be played by different actors. It might be in Jonathan Major's contract that only he can play Kang. Okay, So when they introduce baby Kang, it'll still be him somehow. Just Jonathan Major's face plastered on a baby with a blue helmet on. Yeah. So basically, there's a lot of speculation around, are they going to pivot to Doctor Doom or other characters like that? The thing is with Doom, I quite like him when he's in opposition to other powerful characters. So if Doom encounters Kang, he wants that power. I remember in the first Secret War comic, when they got to Battleworld, Doom saw the Beyonder and was like, I want that. That's my power. I'm having that. And he gets it. And turns out he can't control it. I don't know much about Doctor Doom, but it feels like it'd be odd to bring him in. He's a, you know, a very beloved character, and bringing him just as a replacement would be not very interesting. The rumour is they want to offer that role to Mads Mikkelsen again. Because that was a rumour ages ago. It feels more like a Reed Richards. If it's just a voice, though, then it wouldn't be a problem with the fact that he was already a more forgettable villain. I feel like an evil Doctor Strange could be a good replacement. Because also he already cast it. (laughs) And also, Doctor Strange has been very much tied to the multiverse and keeping tabs on the multiverse. So they could bring in a Strange Supreme who's like successfully mirror-dimensioned all the various Kangs and Kang threats, but has also become crazy powerful or whatever, and then that could become the replacement, I guess. But I think if you bring in a Doom or a, I don't know, a Beyonder or someone, you'd be like, oh, this is kind of a, oh no, now it's this guy, would be a bit, okay. <laughs> if they were brave enough, I would like them to run with Renslayer from Loki. They could run with Renslayer, yeah, she's connected to Kang, but it's still the same goal, but with a new person. Yeah, it could be Renslayer and Miss Min- or Miss Minutes. Is- Renslayer could still be a Miss Minutes. Could be. What makes it easy to pivot away from Kang at this point is the fact that he hasn't been in much and what he's been in, nobody has seen. Yeah. Whatever Kang's been in currently, their Kang has been dealt with. Yeah. And even though there's an infinite number of Kangs, there's also an infinite number of any character. Well, there's all the Kangs across the multiverse, but there's also all the Thanoses and Lokis and Ultrons and anyone really. The Loki finale hints at the fact that the TVA could maybe keep him in check. Yeah, they seem to have... Spoilers for Loki. Loki sort of circumvents the inevitability of Kang by taking on the role of organising the timelines themselves. He's just sitting there holding a bunch of strings. Yeah, big time strings. So yeah, Kang is neatly sort of sorted. Yeah, because nobody saw Quantumania and they got rid of that Kang anyway. He who remains dead. All the other Kangs that were in that stadium, maybe they just can't be bothered anymore. Yeah. So it's easy to get rid of them at this point. It's not like with Thanos, where you'd saw him at the end of a film and there was a post credit scene and he had a cameo and another thing, where it felt like they were building to Thanos. They haven't teased Kang in the same way, so it's easy enough to pivot away, and I think they could, and yeah. I think they probably will. I think they probably will. I would prefer if they use someone already set up than if they bring in someone personally. I think that'd just be less cheap feeling or less sneaky feeling, but we'll see. And connected to that pivot is the fact that Destin Daniel Cretton, who was originally directing Avengers The Kang Dynasty, 
is gone. He's quit. He's not doing it anymore. I mean, at this stage, you don't even know if there's going to be an Avengers Kang dynasty. So it could be like, everyone's gone. Well, imagine he saw where the wind was blowing and thought, I'm out. I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to work on a film I can actually work on. He was positioned to work on a couple of the TV things as well. Massive tangent, but I didn't realise Sex Education was made by the same people who made Loki Series 1. I think Michael Aldrin and Kate Heron were involved. I was like, oh, that's a different show. They can do something different, yeah. Yeah. So Destin Daniel Cretton's not doing that anymore. I forget which Marvel show he was going to work on, but it was one of them. I don't know if that's still happening. It might have been Wonder Man. I think it might have been Wonder Man. I think that might be shelved now, who knows? It's on a big reshuffle and everything, so... Yeah. So he's not directing it anymore and they might not make it anymore. Yeah. I think with Avengers, they should probably just build up to Secret Wars. Probably, yeah. Just do the Secret Wars. Give us Young Avengers. We've had that tease. Can we have that instead? Instead of Avengers Kang Dynasty, can I have a Young Avengers? Yeah. They'll focus on the Secret Wars. I don't know much about Secret Wars. That's Doctor Doom. And that's normally Doctor Doom. The most recent one, which will be the, the run that they're basing it on, is the multiverse gets crammed together and they all have to fight for dominance. And then the end result is a rebooted universe that contains elements of all of them so the ultimate universe miles morales and that's about it come across and so on so yeah there'll be an omnipotent character that's causing this yeah we'll see what happens but yeah i feel like at the moment it seems like the way they're going is slowly taking kang out the picture and just running with something new or different yeah and this one's a rumor but we'll add it in anyway. It's probably pretty much locked, it seems at this point, that Pedro Pascal, they're in talks with Pedro Pascal to play Reed Richards. Which makes sense. Does it though? I mean, I'm not sure I can see him in that role, but every time I say that about casting, they end up being pretty good anyway. It seems like he's just having a moment, so they're just getting him because they can get him. I don't know much about the Fantastic Four, outside of they occasionally show up in other stuff, but they don't tend to be the spotlight of the stuff they're in. Although they're usually universe-central type characters to various things. Yeah, because they're sort of very important within the Marvel canon. But anything I've appeared in, like say if they show up in an Avengers or a Captain Marvel or whatever, where, oh, this is the sidelines of a bigger thing that they're doing and they're going, oh, we need your help with this or whatever. So other than the characters' names, I don't really know anything about them. So Reed Richards is another genius and he's a family man. Yeah, there's a lot of geniuses in the Marvel Universe. What's she called? Sue Storm is his wife? Yes. And Johnny Storm is her brother. Johnny Storm is her brother. And the thing is just Reed's friend. Yeah. Just his friend. His best friend. Yeah. And they have adventures across time and space, usually, and fight Galactus and the Silver Surfer shows up and all those good Dr. things. Dr. Demon, everyone, yeah. <laughs> but Pedro Pascal in that role, I think they're just picking him because he couldn't be hotter at the moment in terms of probably, yeah. people wanting him to be in stuff. And he's probably like, yeah, I'm not really in The Mandalorian and no spoilers, but they're probably not going to need me for The Last of Us Season 2 for much. No, he's got a free period coming up. Yeah. So he can be in a Marvel. Might as well be in something else. Why not? Would he be better as a Doctor Doom? I don't know. He's done a man in armour though. <laughs> he can't do another man in armour. Also, I don't think he has the intimidating voice that Doom should have. Yeah. Remember when we wanted Kelsey Grammer as Doom? We wanted Kelsey Grammer as Doom. Instead, we're getting him back as Beast. Yeah, because Beast. He can do a double role. If Mars Mickelson can do a double role. Then they could meet and comment on how they sound something alike. Yeah. They can have a phone conversation. (laughs) (laughs) You sound kind of familiar. That'd be funny. So that's potentially happening. They were trying to work it around his schedule, whatever that is. But I think they might be just waiting to lock in the other three before they announce anything. Yeah. But also, one question you have to ask is, because apparently the role has been offered to actors like Adam Driver and so on, and they've passed on it. So what is it about this that they don't want to do? I guess Pedro Pascal has had a pretty good working relationship with Disney. Yeah. Well, Adam Driver, he was the new trilogy. 
he was in them. Yeah, he was kind of shafted. And there's no reason to say that it wasn't a, a sour split. Say, for example, John Boyega had a much worse future with the portrayal of Finn and stuff. He said I was going to be a Jedi, and then I was nothing. Yeah, whereas as far as we can tell, Adam Driver did the three movies and did the press and had a fine time and didn't make any enemies. But Pedro Pascal, he's been the poster boy for Star Wars TV shows with Disney. and Even though you never see his face. They've got a relationship already, and so it makes sense that they'd be like, we have other characters that you can option you in for. So it makes sense that they'd get him. And he's versatile as well. I think there'll be a lot of doubt at the moment, but then as soon as that first trailer comes out, everyone will be like, oh, that's fine. He's doing a good job. Look at him with his stretchy arms. Yeah, again, I don't know much about Reed Richards, and it's just another one. It's just another genius billionaire or whatever. Maybe just pick up a random run of Fantastic Four and see what you think. Maybe, yeah. That's it for Marvel for the moment. We already talked about Spider-Man potentially being infected by the Sony universe, let's call it that. Yeah. It's going to be like a disease. Can't get rid of it. So let's hop the fence to DC. We have a couple of bits and pieces, both super related. The first one is Anna Nogueira, if that's how you pronounce her name. The actress and playwright who is now making forays into screenwriting has been tapped to pen Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, a standalone feature centred on the Kryptonian cousin of Superman being developed by DC. No director is attached and the deal for the writing only recently closed. The project is actually a redo for her. The writer was quietly hired to pen a Supergirl movie in 2022 when Warner Brothers was developing the project as a spin-off of The Flash, then in post-production. Ah, Warner Brothers. Let's say hire someone to do something that's never coming out. Yeah. Now this is an adaption of the book by Tom King and Bilkis Everly. Supergirl as John Wick. Supergirl does John Wick, yeah. So I'm assuming the story beats are already sort of set in stone if they follow that general premise and then they, well, I suppose they can have fun with the journey there and stuff because it's a very simple premise that she helps a woman who was wronged by a bandit guy and it gets out of hand really fast so there's plenty of space to have fun with it I remember just seeing something that this was one that everyone's the most excited about in terms of the industry and James Goodwin like oh this one's looking really good and everyone's like this is a good one this is a really good one which probably means they'll film it and write it off for tax purposes mm-hmm. as a side but the Wile E. Coyote movie that stars John Cena that they tried to write off for tax purposes, but they're now allowing them to shop it to Netflix and Amazon and Disney and so on. Basically, the news of that is the last straw for a lot of filmmakers who are just never coming to Warner Brothers ever again to work with them. Yeah, Warner Brothers are really shot themselves in the foot with trust with people that people won't be bringing their films to them anymore because they're like, you could just spin this for a bit of easy money. We might even be finished filming and you'll get rid of it. Apparently the Wile E. Coyote thing is great and it deserves to be seen. Yeah, everyone thinks it's really cool. I think it'd be very funny if this did get, say, shops to another studio and just made an absolute fortune. <laughs> I don't know, just made like $800 million in a run or something. Oh, we tried to sell this for $30 million. Everyone hates us now. We tried to write it off as a tax dodge. Whoops. One thing I really hope they do is keep Sasha Kali or Kaye or however you pronounce her name as Supergirl because that's not her fault. The Flash is not her fault. Yeah. And she was really good in that. So she could definitely put a different stamp on the character for this project. Yeah. We don't know much about the DCU as of yet, do we? We know who James Gunn's keeping. John Cena and probably his wife. Probably his wife. Not John Cena's wife. Well, maybe he is. Is John Cena married? I have no idea. Probably. Jason Momoa is going to Lobo. Yeah, Jason Momoa said he's finished with Aquaman, but there's always a place for him at DC. Uh, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller has been kept. Yeah. And Blue Beetle. Oh yeah, that's technically DCU. Yeah, because that's not fair, basically. So yeah, we've got a writer for Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. And it's a woman, so that's something. Yeah, so I think this will be really good. It's exciting to know that that's, it's not being delayed or stuck or anything. They're getting ahead of making it. 
Yeah. And next up is a bit more casting for Superman Legacy. Maria Gabriela Dufaria, the Venezuelan actress best known for roles in Fox comedies Animal Control and The Moody's, has landed a breakout part on the film side, joining the cast of James Gunn's Superman Legacy. Her character is Angela Speaker, I think it is, as the engineer. Angie's powers stem from nanotechnology built into her body. Great, Mormon nanotechnology. She's the second DC character, so legacy, actually, to bear the name of the engineer and was first introduced in the Authority Volume 1 in 1999. Gunn confirmed that the film will retain its release date of July 11th, 2015. And remember people kicking off because he used the Christopher Reeve font? And it's a Superman font. Also known as the font that they've been using in comics for decades. Forever, yeah. It's just a Superman font. <laughs> it's a pretty stacked Superman film. Yeah. It's not going to be alone in this universe. No. It's about like Smallville, he's the last one there. Yeah. It's got my nose Mr. Terrific and Guy Gardner and this character. And- Who are all not the first iterations of the characters as well. Yeah, they're all... Legacy. I guess, yeah. I'm looking forward to the Superman movie. I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be really good. I don't particularly like Grant Morrison stuff, so I don't know anything about the authority, so I, I can't tell you anything about them. Apparently that seems to be something that's going to be in, or yeah, this character is an authority character, so something they're building towards in this movie, but I don't know if they're a good team or a Suicide Squad style team or whatever they are. They're along those lines, I think. I don't know too much about them, but it's going to be a pretty stacked universe already. Yeah, but I think it's good to go in strong. People get it already. Yeah, there's a billion superheroes. We could just go straight in with lots of better humans on the go. And then Superman. Yeah, and Superman. Arriving late. Arriving late. That's it for DC then. A couple of things. There'll be more as we develop. Let's move on to some more miscellaneous things. So this one is kind of baffling. An Elon Musk biopic is in development at A24 with Darren Aronofsky on board to direct. Walter Isaacson's authorised biography of the controversial tech mogul, which was published in September, so that's going to be full of truth, right, will serve as the basis for the screenplay. Isaacson's Steve Jobs book was previously adapted in the 2015 Universal film of the same name, starring Michael Fassbender as the Apple CEO. Sources tell Variety that there was heated competition to option the book from studios and filmmakers alike with A24 ultimately winning the bidding war. Good for them. Aronofsky, who recently directed last year's Oscar contender, The Whale, which was awful, I thought anyway. I didn't see The Whale. They're doing a Musk biopic. I get why, because like it or not, he's going to be a historically significant figure. Yeah. Probably for the wrong reasons, but also giving the man attention when he does not need it at this point. I personally also think it's funny that A24 is starting to go bad weird. <laughs> then they've announced that they were going to do an audio play or something, an audio play movie, and now they're doing this Elon Musk thing. And they want to do blockbusters. I, mean, blockbuster stuff. I know they've been sort of a beloved, smaller indie distributor. I think it'd be funny if they kind of just do a big trip. I <laughs> just like start releasing stuff that doesn't sell well. Well, they're talking about getting into blockbusters. I can't wait to drink the tears of all the indie A24 fanboys that worship them because they're doing blockbusters now. Especially if the blockbusters are really good. (laughs) It's like, oh, they're doing really good films. I don't know what would be better if they were bad or good. I think it'd be better if they're good and they make loads of money. Because if they're good and make loads of money, then A24 just do that. I think that'd be really funny. <laughs> and then they're all like, oh, 024 going to be ruined. And then they just do like billion dollar after billion dollar picture. Actually, this was their best move. <laughs> it's like when people complain about Florence Pugh doing big films now and yeah, and stuff like that. Greta Gerwig's now doing blockbusters. We've lost another one. But yeah, Elon Musk back for take yuck. This is a big yuck. He's a disgusting, horrible person. Yeah, and it won't be that kind of thing because he's also a big tantruming baby. He won't allow his name or image to be associated with a movie that's like, actually, this guy didn't really invent anything or whatever. (laughs) It's the authorised biography as well, which only came out in September of last year. 
Yeah. Or this year even. That's got to be full of lies. If you authorised it. Yeah, and it's just the persona of Musk as seen by some people as this super genius or whatever. Yeah, nah, Graham. I don't know why they're making this. He was doing well for a while when he was doing things like buying Tesla and getting space exploration on the go and all that stuff. Even though he wasn't doing it, it was companies he bought. So he was getting a contact high in terms of reputation from these things. Yeah. And then he just went and he's doing what he's doing now, which is just ruining Twitter even more than it already was and, and actually retweeting or reposting, as it's now called, anti-Semitic racist stuff. Oh, yeah, just a racist, just losing loads of money. This would be grim. I don't want to watch an Elon Musk biopic. wonder who'll play him. I was thinking that. I don't know. Play himself. Probably. He'll star in it in some form. To talk about The Simpsons again, it's the equivalent of Mr. Burns wanting all his portraits to be him, like, super muscular and looking imposing and stuff. Yeah. So he'll probably get Arnold Schwarzenegger to play him or something. Or The Rock. The Rock. But yeah, nah. Nobody wants this. Well, some people do, but not Not us. Not me. Moving on, we are getting a Legend of Zelda live action film, finally. Makes sense. From Wes Ball who, as we discussed earlier, will be directing The Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. They haven't really said anything more than it'll be a Zelda movie. So I don't know what kind of tone we're going to get. Is it going to be Lord of the Rings? Or is it going to be Dungeons and Dragons? I feel like that's your two extremes. Yeah, somewhere in between there. I'd be quite happy with a D&D toned Zelda. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. Equally, if they went the sweeping Lord of the Rings style epic, that might be okay too, if it's done sincerely and well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Zelda's a, is a good one to adapt. I actually thought they were going to do animated for Zelda before they would do this, but apparently not. I suppose, yeah, because they had such success with the animated Mario, so you'd assume, oh, they'll just do more animated, but I suppose... Also, a live-action Zelda thing has been something people have been clamouring for. Yeah. There was that April Fool's trailer from IGN that everybody thought looked really good years ago. Zelda's been in animation before. Oh, yeah, there's uh, those clips that I've seen. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, princess. Yeah, those ones. Stuff like that. I don't know if that's in a game or if it's an animated series, but either way, there has been like voice work and stuff. Yeah. Whereas... The Zelda games don't tend to contain voice work even now. No. I don't know if you have any thoughts in terms of casting. It could be anybody because the whole point of the Legend of Zelda is, is a legend. Yeah. Every game is a different Link in Zelda. Exactly, yeah. So there's not like a set one. I think like for an older Link or Zelda, do you know May Martin? They're yeah. in Feel Good. Is that a Netflix show? They look like they could be a Link or a Zelda. Not the more childlike one, but more the adult adventurer. So I think that'd be a pretty good choice. Orlando Bloom as both. Orlando Bloom could do both. With his legless blonde hair. His legless blonde hair. I don't know. It just depends what angle they take with it because, like I say, it can be anything. Yeah, it's a fantasy adventure thing. Like I said, like the Dungeons and Dragons from last year. This year. This year. If I were to guess, I would think it would be the Ocarina of Time that they'll adapt. Probably. Because that's the most famous one. That's the one you sort of start with. I've not played too much Legend of Zelda games. I really want to play the more modern ones, but the problem with Nintendo games, first party Nintendo games never come down in price. Yeah, so I've played A Link Between Worlds on the 3DS and... One of the other DS ones with some dungeons. It's a Phantom Hourglass, that's what it's called. Okay. I've played Ocarina of Time, I've played Twilight Princess. There was one I had on the Game Boy. Have you done any of the Tears of the Kingdom ones? No, well that's what I'm saying, they never come down in price. Yeah, they don't come down in price. Do you think if they did a movie, would that also be a strong contender? Possibly. Blue Link, because that's the current incarnation, so it'd be lined up. It's the current version, yeah. If I was to guess, I would think they would go for the most popular Ocarina of Time one. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of style, they could do a that style of Link Zelda universe and do the Ocarina of Time story. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see. Literally, there's infinite possibilities. Yeah, but I think this will be good. And I wonder if they'll do a Zelda series where everyone is just 
a variation on the theme, but different, like they do in the games. You could uh, fall down a rabbit hole of people trying to suss out the Legend of Zelda timeline. Okay, okay, yeah. Because it's the idea of different links in Zeldas across time, and it's like, well, this is when Hyrule was flooded, so this game has to be set before this one. Yeah. Again, it's the, I'm glad that there are people out there that will do that, because I never will. Yeah. I mean, I just assumed there were just legends that didn't connect in any way, but no, apparently there is a continuity if you want to look for it. There is a connection, yeah. Well, yeah, I think this exciting news. They seem to be getting good at video game movies now. <laughs> people are suggesting that video game adaptations are the new superhero movies as in they'll just get good and then they'll stick around for ages if they get good if they speed up put like yeah the metal gear solid one and if they do i don't know other ones they could do is oscar isaac still solid snake that feels like that was ages ago that was announced. probably not that was a while ago I'm trying to think of other video games i'm looking around theme hospital <laughs> what's it jordan Volk roberts was supposed to direct it yeah that guy because he used to just spend his days sharing concept art on twitter didn't he yeah just get sharing art on twitter and be like well imagine if this would look good wouldn't it it's like, yeah, make it. Here's a gecko. Here's a gecko. It's like, make the movie. <laughs> Stop saying how good it would look. Just make it look good. Show us how good it would look. Other video game stuff. There was like Twisted Metal, which I hadn't seen, but apparently it was pretty apparently good. that was good. So Last of Us I still haven't watched, but apparently that's good. I feel like there was one recently that I watched and didn't think much of. There's all sorts. Monster Hunter. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was apparently not very good. But yeah, that seems like another avenue they could go if the winds change on current franchises, yeah. They'll keep trying Resident Evil. Try Resident Evil again. Other Nintendo stuff, Super Monkey Ball. Give us that. Professor Layton. There's loads, there's loads of games. <laughs> Tetris wasn't really a video game movie. It was a film about a video game. It wasn't yeah. a video game movie. So there we go. Okay, let's move on. Oscar winner Ron Howard, also director of Solo, is heading into production of The End. <laughs> I like as an Oscar winner, but he also directed Solo. <laughs> Don't get your hopes too high. I liked Solo. Manage expectations. He's heading into production at the end of November, so in about now, on survival thriller Eden, which was previously named Origin of the Species. Oscar nominee Vanessa Kirby, who will be next seen starring in Ridley Scott's Napoleon, or already seen, depending on when you're yeah. listening to this, opposite Joaquin Phoenix, and Euphoria and White Lotus star Sydney Sweeney, there she is again, have joined the previously announced Jude Law, Anna de Armas and Daniel Bruhl. The two actresses replaced Alicia Vikander and Daisy Edgar-Jones. Also joining the project is composing maestro Hans Zimmer. They're really just getting the names in for this, aren't they? Yes, this is a creation story. Yes. Based on an unsolved mystery unfolded on a remote island in the Galapagos, the movie charts the lengths humans will go in pursuit of happiness. Okay, so whatever sort of stuff. It could be whatever a, that means. Whatever that means. <laughs> Howard has wanted to tell a story for 15 years, ever since he first visited the Galapagos Islands where the real life events took place. Just before the pandemic, he teamed up with writer Noah Pink who wrote Tetris, to tell the story. Imagine began developing the script from Howard's own story pages he'd been building over the years. So it doesn't really say what the film is actually about. The film explores the human condition in ways that are unexpected, absurd, humorous, sexy, and above all thrilling and deeply suspenseful. This sounds like a weird Terence Malick thing. <laughs> yeah, but it's Ron Howard, so it won't be. It won't be. Ron Howard is someone that will make something that's just perfectly fine most of the time. Yeah. Well, that film, the F1 film with Daniel Brühl in it and Chris Hemsworth, that was all right. Rush. Yeah. So that's happening. Yeah. And Sydney Sweeney's in it, so maybe she'll be in something good eventually. Next up, Frozen 4 in the works at Disney, Bob Iger reveals. Also Frozen 3, I guess. Well, uh, Frozen 3 also <laughs> hasn't happened yet. <laughs> How did I miss Frozen 3? In addition to the previously announced Frozen 3, which hasn't been released yet, Frozen 3 is in the works and there might be a Frozen 4 in the works too. Depending on how... Frozen 3 goes, <laughs> Bob Iger says. But I don't have much to say about these films right now. Yeah, this is because I'm announcing it on the spot. It's like, I don't know, Frozen 
four. <laughs> you can make that. <laughs> it's funny how Bob Iger's like, scale back content, and then he's announcing another two Frozen films. Yeah. Frozen 2, I like. Frozen 1, everyone likes. I like Frozen 2. I'd see more Frozen. The world's kind of big. Do we need four of them, though? I guess we'll find out. I feel like three with this current people, and then a prequel or something. How did the parents die on that ship? <laughs> that could be Frozen 4. Was that not in Frozen 2? Was that not revealed? Yeah, we revealed that they died on a ship or something and they're frozen in the crashing ship. But it could be like their adventures as explorers or whatever. Therefore, getting rid of that theory that Frozen and Tarzan are related. Oh, I didn't know there was a theory that Frozen and Tarzan are related. Yeah, apparently the ship that had Tarzan marooned in the jungle or whatever when it sank... Is the same ship. Might be the same ship, but it's not, because Frozen 2 confirmed that it can't be. Yeah, so there's that. There was also the rumour recently that Toy Story 5 is about Andy trying to get all his toys back. Oh, yeah. And people were saying, but the films are about like letting go of your childhood and letting go of your toys and growing up and stuff. And I'm thinking, well, no, there does come a point in everyone's life where it's, I shouldn't have gave away all that cool stuff. It's worth money now. I want it back. Yeah, it's a thing now, because everyone's about collectibles. Andy's becoming the guy from Toy Story 2. He's just going to put them all in glass boxes. <laughs> He'll be introduced sitting in a room full of Funko Pops who all talk to each other. Just buzz like your Funko Pops. Well, he didn't know he was sitting on a gold mine with Woody, did he? No. Yeah, I think Andy's dangerously becoming Al's toy bar. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need Toy Story 5, but that was a rumour anyway. But Frozen 4, do we need that? Who knows? Sure, why not? Uh, yeah, I don't know. The universe might be big enough. Do you think by the fourth film they'll finally confirm that Elsa's a lesbian? Is that a thing? Well, th there's theories that she is... Oh, is that the theory, yeah. Yeah, because she has that moment with the girl in Frozen 2 that might be flirtatious. Oh, they're the Enchanted Forest lady. Yeah, but you know what Disney's like? They put in suggestions of homosexuality so they can cut it easily. Exactly. You know, like the same-sex kiss at the end of Rise of Skywalker that's in the background off to the side. Yeah, they do that all the time. Yeah. There's lots of good friends in the Disney universe. Here's my good friend. <laughs> they might be gay, but probably not. We live in the same house. How many bedrooms does it have? We're not telling you. <laughs> we'll never show you the upstairs. We'll never show you the upstairs. We're never actually saying they do anything. They're just good buddies. <laughs> They're good friends and that's all. Maybe Elsa has some good buddies. Maybe she has some We'll find out friends. in Frozen 4. Okay, moving on. We have Idris Elba. He's doing stuff. He's to co-direct survival thriller Above the Below. It's his second feature film. Did he do the Luther film? No, the film he directed, it was an adaptation of a play. Okay. I can't remember what it was called. Unrelated, the, the Luther film is very good. They got terrible reviews, but I really enjoyed it. Yardy, it was called. The film that he did. I'm sure it was an adaptation of a play. I never saw it. I don't know what it was like. But Above the Below is based on an original idea by Martin Owen, with a script written by Elizabeth Morris, Matt Mitchell and Vicky Sargent. The film sees a tight-knit trio of astronauts survive a destructive re-entry to Earth, only to find themselves cut off from the world as their capsule begins to sink into the unknown depths of the ocean. They must fight for survival. Okay, then. Seems pretty cool. Do you think he'll be in it? Probably, yeah. He might as well be. He's cool. So, yeah, that could be cool. Idris Elba can do anything, apparently. Do whatever he wants, yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Have you seen the film Fall? No. You should watch it because it's very good. Is that where they climb the big tower? Yes. Two stupid people climb a tower and get stuck, basically. Okay, do It's got Mary Marvel from Shazam in it. Well, not in Shazam. <laughs> okay. Never mind that. Basically, they have commissioned two sequels, although they might not be sequels, they might just be... The same thing, but different people. Scott Mann, who directed and co-wrote the original movie, will return to produce, as well as co-write and direct the third film of the trilogy. The new films will reunite producers Mark Glenn and James Harris of T-Shop Productions, who did 47 Metres Down, and so on and so forth. They haven't said what the films will be. I imagine people get stuck up somewhere high. Yeah, it's a big high thing and they don't fall off or whatever. 
Yeah. The two sequels are wonderful opportunities to expand on the original. We now want to take the franchise even further. How is this a franchise? As we assemble the very best team and ideas to ensure the next hair-raising, death-defying, pulse-pounding film to global audiences. The thing is, these films don't lend themselves well to actually direct sequels. Because, well, why would she go up there again? If that happened to me, I'd buy a bungalow. I would never climb stairs again, never mind anything else. Yeah, it's one of those where making them sort of go back into the nightmare situation for another go. It does say Fall 2 and Fall 3 will bring back original characters from the first film, but we're also leaving room for new ones to be introduced. Are they counting that big radio tower as a character? (laughs) (laughs) Jeffrey Dean Morgan's in it pretty briefly. Maybe he'll be in it again. Maybe. And Grace Caroline Curry just standing at the bottom while someone else is stuck up somewhere saying, no, you shouldn't have done that. That was dumb. I did that. That was dumb, but you shouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't have done that. I'm already up. Yeah, should have listened to me. You never warned me. Yeah, but shut up. Yeah, it's crazy. So... I guess we'll see. I don't know what form this will take. Have you seen the film Missing, which is the pseudo-sequel to Searching? No, I was in Searching. Searching, right. Missing's a a pseudo-sequel. It actually takes place in the same universe. Okay. So it references the events of the first film, but it doesn't actually connect to them in any way. It's just something else happened somewhere else, but they reference the the events of the first film. It's the idea of the lead characters into true crime, and she's speculating on the events of the the first one. It's like, it was probably her dad that threw her down a cliff or whatever. And then she has stuff happened to her and she's like oh, I've learned something about that guy maybe he didn't throw his daughter down a cliff maybe stuff just happens to people sometimes so it falls another one to give a go it's one of the better examples of this in, in quite a while yeah and then I can be ready for the fall two and fall three yeah exactly the fall trilogy the harder they fall fall three the harder they fall <laughs> <laughs> coming this fall yeah there we go Already done. Marketing. No problem. This next one, Hugh Bonneville and Karen Gillan lead ITVX comedy from Stephen Moffat. This got record hate within minutes of it being announced. It got record hate within minutes, and I think quite fairly. Okay. I'm going to take a stab. Douglas is cancelled. Douglas is cancelled, it's called. Yep. It's about Hugh Bonneville, I assume, is going to say something that gets him cancelled. Yeah. I think the general premise, I don't know if I trust... Stephen Moffat, not to be a weird old fuddy-duddy. To be insensitive. To be like, oh, I can't say anything anymore. <laughs> People don't like Sherlock or whatever. I'm hoping, Stephen Moffat is a very good writer, and I'm hoping that it is more of a, look how fast things can get out of hand online. Which, in fair, as someone who has made Doctor Who and Sherlock and that Tintin movie <laughs> that probably everyone hated, he knows what it's like to be on the receiving end of just a ton of online vitriol and anger for no reason. And the time traveller's wife, he did that. And the time traveller's wife. He can have experience being like, oh yeah, people will really take dislike to something. The world of online can get really ugly. So yeah, he does have the skill to pull off a thing, but I think this could be dangerous, as in it might be Stephen Moffat's like, oh, woke or whatever. (laughs) It could be. Rewatching his Doctor Who things, there is some really insensitive stuff. He makes a lot of fat jokes and stuff like that. Also, everything he writes is very horny. It's the horniest Sherlock and the horniest Doctor Who ever. People complain about Captain Jack, but River Song is worse with the innuendo stuff. Oh yeah, that's very unsubtle. But I think sex is something he's interested in. It's very much in his writing. So that's probably going to play into this in some way. And there is a danger of this could go really badly. Do you think the Hugh Bonneville and Karen Gillan pairing is a bit like Phil and Holly? I think it's got a sort of Phil and Holly, yeah. Because it's older man, young woman. Yeah, I think that's going to be sort of the angle they're going at. But I'm hoping that it's a look at the world of people calling woke and cancel culture or whatever and how vague and easy it is as a an accusation because obviously woke doesn't mean anything it just means whatever 
the person who's saying it doesn't like because everything at some point has been woke what woke really means is progressive not even necessarily progressive it's like when Budweiser got woke because there was like two women drinking a Budweiser or something. It's like, oh, beer's woke now or whatever. Or eating food is woke. Andrew Tate was like, oh, weak men eat food or something. Oh, yeah. He was talking about cooking is not something to be proud of or whatever. Yeah. Cooking makes you inferior. You should just eat roadkill or whatever. But yeah, woke is just a term that is, we're opposed to this, but it doesn't mean anything specific. In its purest form, it just means progressive. Yes, yeah, it's, it's mostly progressive, usually. It's just making a, a progressive thing. So yeah, I'm hoping definitely that this is a comedy about how absurd the concept of calling everything woke and saying how fast a mix of people calling everything woke or online fake news or online hate can become a big tidal wave. And he definitely has the skills as both a writer and a comedy writer to do that. But I think everyone is worried that it is oh no, oldish white man is making a woke thing. He could be the next Graham Linehan. Oh yeah. But we'll see. I don't think Moffat's as bad as that, but he definitely has some strange ideas about these sorts of things. He's got to have a pretty good script editor, I reckon, to wrangle this one out. But I definitely will give this a go, because I do like Stephen Moffat's stuff. I'll give it a watch. It's only four episodes. Exactly. Hopefully it's not horrible and you're like, oh, not Stephen Moffat. I saw some of the responses to the people just hating on it, dunking on it. Some of the responses were, this TV show that you already hate without having watched it, you just don't have to watch it. You can just let it pass you by and that'll be the end of it. And also if the show is what I hope it is, then it's already kind of proven its point that people are already against this show that, as far as we know, contains two actors. And that's like all we know about it. It contains Hugh Bonneville and Karen Gillan. It's called Douglas's Cancel. It also contains... Alex Kingston, Nick Mohammed, Simon Russell Beale, and Ben Miles, who was in Coupling. It contains four other actors. But again, like we were saying, people are making a lot of assumptions about this show already on like, oh, this is going to be a nightmare and Stephen Moffat's against change or whatever. It would be kind of proving the point of how fast social media internet can get really absurd. But we'll see. I'm hoping it's not what everyone's scared it is, but I'm holding my breath like, ugh. Karen Gillan, she's in it. She's a national treasure. Oh yeah, everyone loves Karen Gillan. She said about it, to torment a man, let alone a man named Douglas, for four episodes, armed with the writing of Stephen Moffat, is a great privilege that I'm going to enjoy every minute of. I didn't say it like Karen Gillan, although I did say it in somewhat of a Scottish accent, so it kind of did. It's airing next year, it doesn't say when, but it's Moffat's first television comedy in two decades. I imagine it won't take long. No, it'll be spring-ish. The blurb says, Despite being an experienced broadcaster, greying middle-aged Douglas surprisingly needs constant reassurance behind the scenes on Live at Six, which is the show that he presents, from his sharper, younger, tech-savvy and social media-aware co-presenter, Madeline, played by Gillen. So she's playing her character from Selfie, but presumably with a Scottish accent or an English accent. Who knows? Yeah, probably. Who seems to be able to wrap him round her little finger, who can seemingly do no wrong. Douglas enjoys his privileged status. Until that is, he makes an ill-advised joke at his cousin's wedding, overheard by a fellow guest who threatens to expose his comments on social media. Echoing the scandal surrounding Hugh Edwards' suspension at the BBC. Alright, that's inspiration. Suspension as the BBC's flagship news and events anchor this summer amidst accusations of sexual misconduct. Douglas alleged indiscretion is dissected, analysed and blown out of proportion and all the subsequent digital storm. Is it blown out of proportional? I guess that'll be the question. Yeah. Whether it arrives at a position on it, who knows? We'll see. But I'm interested in it. I'm interested, yeah. I just don't know what, what's going to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Moffat is a tough one to predict, isn't he? Yeah. Our next thing, quite a short thing, a fourth Creed film is in development with Michael B. Jordan set to direct. Cool. He directed Creed 3, which was pretty good. That also featured Jonathan Majors, who was also pretty good in that. He probably won't be in the next one. Probably not. I don't know. 
anything about either Creed or Rocky, but I know these are pretty popular. The Creed's are doing very well. In Creed 3, he's at the stage where he's like, I'm a bit old for this. I'm going to retire, but now he's fighting again. Who knows? Maybe he won't fight in this one. I don't know. And Sylvester Stallone's not happy with the Creed franchise anymore because the Rocky rights were sold from under him or something. Yeah, again, not a world I know very well. But we'll see. I know they're generally sort of considered pretty good. They get well reviewed. All three so. of them are good. Yeah. It's probably one of the better spin-offs because, well, the the first two films have Rocky in it, but they don't entirely need Rocky to be good on their own right. So Rocky is a fixture in the first two films, more so in the first film, but he's not in the third one at all because Stallone hates everybody involved with it now because of what they did to him. But the character of Adonis is good enough to function on his own. Yeah. So there's going to be another one, I suppose. Next one, David Robert Mitchell is finally making his long-awaited follow-up to Horror Hit It Follows, and his follow-up is going to be a sequel called They Follow. Yeah, it makes sense. This was a massive success when it came out. Have you seen It Follows? I did. I didn't really like it very much. The thing about me with horror is I'm quite selective in what horror I watch, and I tend to watch the this-is-a-good-concept-once type horrors. So stuff like A Quiet Place, Sound is the Enemy, it's quite scary. It Follows was another one. I love the idea of this thing will just follow you to the ends of the earth, and you you don't know what it is or who it is. Yeah, well, one of the things I didn't like about this movie is you don't know what it is or who it is, but it's always the most terrifying person in my One of them is like a six-foot-seven guy. One of them's a woman who appears to have wet herself and it's just like scrabbling around the sort of horror of that is it could be in tesco's it could be literally anyone but in it follows it's very specifically that person there the jump scare person but some of them are just normal people some of them yeah i thought it would have been better if it was just a constant sense of unease i reckon if they did a they follow and it's like several it follows characters following they could technically never reveal if any of the followers are the follow monster, we'll call it. And that would be like more of just a general ease because you're always waiting for the reveal to happen and you could get through the whole movie pretty much never revealing it. There's a great video from the film theorists on YouTube on about how you would survive the It Follows thing quite comfortably and still live a normal life. Oh yeah, I remember that being a thing because it's just following at a gentle pace but as long as you sort of just keep moving house and like just keep moving around then you'll be relatively okay. And it's the idea, if you work so many miles away you can be there for like seven hours and then drive back and then the monster will have to turn back and stuff like that. I'll put it in the show notes. I can't remember the actual ins and outs but it was pretty cool. I do agree that it was far more threatening when it was just some old lady. Yeah, the scene at the very end where she's just walking down the street and it's not clear, has she got rid of it or any of the people walking in the background the monster? That was more effective than just it's that freak. Yeah, one of the effective bits as well was when she was at college and you see the establishing shot of the college campus and you just see someone walking towards the camera. And because the film has started to condition you to look out for stuff like that. Oh yeah, there's all that in the background stuff. People just kind of walking towards the certain. Yeah, and then... When the the thing comes in to try and attack her, it's the same person that was just walking towards a camera a few minutes ago. So it was stuff like that. I think, yeah, it's far more effective when it wasn't just a, as you say, the seven foot guy or the old lady drenched in piss and, and stuff like that. Yeah, the very obvious monsters. Yeah. There's that bit where she's uh, sitting on the beach and then just a normal person walks up to her and just starts attacking her. So I think that maybe they should lean into that in the sequel. Yeah. Or maybe it's just do this once. It's fine. We'll see. It's one of those unsettling things, even though I didn't like the more monstrous things, because yeah, this is obviously the thing that's trying to kill me, but there was just something unsettling about it. It's just so simple, isn't it? It's just someone walking towards you. Yeah, it's a good idea. Surprised it took this long to make another one. Yeah. It's an allegory for STDs as well. Yeah. You pass it on, but you can't get rid of it. Yeah. Except you can in some cases. So look forward to that. Micah Monroe is going to be in it again. Maybe she is still being followed. 
or still being followed or is following someone. <laughs> we don't know. Have you ever seen that Twitter speculation? It'd be online anywhere, but someone gives you however much money, but there's a snail following you. Oh, the snail that's just always on the way and it'll kill you. Yeah. And you see all the things. I would just have a salt ring around me at all times. Or I would capture it day one, put it in a jar or something like that, or get someone else to capture it. Yeah. It's that sort of situation where it's like, this could be avoided relatively comfortably. I suppose what it was in It Follows instead of the snail situation is also, you don't know which person you're avoiding. Yeah. So even if you moved, say, to, I don't know, Japan or something, you're like, I can't follow me now, but then, or maybe it's already here. Well, if you'd identified it before you left and then you flew on the plane, it would have to get to you. I suppose because the only way for you to identify it is it has to try and kill you. I'm going to get close enough for it to try and attack me and then get away from it and then get a plane. Yeah, well, that'd be a problem. But in theory, you could buy yourself months, maybe even years, just by flying to Japan or wherever. But then you have the problem of, I don't know what it's going to be when it finds me again. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's so terrifying, though, the idea, yeah, it could be anybody. Yeah, that's why it's a good idea. Or I'll just look out for people that have pissed themselves. Yeah, I'll just move freaks. <laughs> that are walking towards me. I'll watch it when it comes out. Yeah, I'll rewatch it. It follows, actually. I haven't seen it. Yeah, that's I watched the first one again, because it came out in 2016 or so, or 2017. Yeah, but yeah, it was one of those horrors that was, you know what? Someone had an idea here. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, works really well. Okay, let's move on to our last item, possibly. This one's really bizarre. Charles Band's Barbenheimer mixes bombs and dolls for the ultimate low-budget comedy cash-in. So this is a movie about the phenomenon of Barbenheimer? Not quite, no. Film industry cynics may take one look at the newly announced low-budget comedy called Barbenheimer and a poster that uses Barbie's iconic pink font over a picture of a nuclear explosion and features the tagline, D-cup, A-bomb, and immediately assume it's simply a shameless attempt to cash-in on a very recent cultural phenomenon. And those cynics would be absolutely correct. This is in The Hollywood Reporter. Charles Band, the prolific B-movie icon who has been making low-budget horror comedies since the early 70s. It's 100% true, he says, but it's also an opportunity to have fun with the bizarre coupling of these two movies and the combination of Barbie's vibe and the darkness of Oppenheimer. Mix that together and you have such an opportunity for dark humour. Sounds a bit blur. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like someone who's just said something to be in the news. It's like, I used to make movies in the 70s and now I'm making a Barbenheimer. It does say Barbenheimer's cast and director are soon to be announced and while its budget of just under one million may rule out both Gerwig and Margot Robbie, <laughs> unless Margot Robbie really wants to slum it, it does make the film one of bands more expensive and it's a low budget world he unashamedly leans into with delight. Thing is, if it's a budget of one million, it's probably just going to make 10 million and then that's plenty. But imagine it ends up making like a billion dollars. I don't know. This doesn't sound like a real thing. This sounds like someone just announced something to be in the news. Well, it's really happening. It's got a budget and a script. It does say that things move very quickly in the B-movie world. No kidding. Okay. It's going to be along the lines of the Winnie the Pooh slasher and all that stuff. Oh yeah, that was a thing. Dr. Barbenheimer, incensed by the brutal treatment the dolls receive at the hands of human children, ventures into the real world, where she experiences humanity at its worst and naturally decides to build a giant nuclear bomb to take it all out. That sounds like a college humour video. <laughs> it really does, yeah. And it probably will be like a two-hour or 90-minute college humour video. Yeah, that's grim and depressing. <laughs> that's a sad bit of news to end on. I don't know, I thought that might have been the funniest one. I misjudged. They follow might have been better to end on. This does sound like just a cynical cash-in. <laughs> Although we may not be ending on that because I potentially have recorded a mop-up session with someone. Oh, maybe. With more news since we recorded a bit earlier. And if so, I'll be cutting to that mop-up session now. Oh, now. We're here from the future, the future of mopping, to do some mop-up 
stuff because we couldn't cover everything because we recorded earlier in the month. Isaac, you're still here. I'm still here. We thought November was over, but it wasn't. Not even a little over. <laughs> well, this segment is being recorded in December, so November is literally over. I mean, it is over for us, not for you, but for everyone. But we're reflecting on it, so we're, we're reflecting. Fine. So since we did our last session, we have four new trailers that appeared and some news that appeared. One news item that appeared mere moments after we finished recording, I think. So that was really nicely timed, but it's it's in here in the mop-up session. There's also things that we were wrong about that we're going to correct That'll be nice. But yeah. let's start with the remainder of the trailers that have appeared since. First one is Furiosa colon a Mad Max saga, which is, I don't think you can really count the Mad Max movies as having much in the way of continuity, but it's sort of a prequel to Mad Max Fury Road that focuses on the Furiosa character played this time by Anya Taylor-Joy. This trailer confused me as to why it was released because it was reported that it was released when the effects hadn't been finished yet. So... That's why the CGI looks so terrible in it, apparently. But I'm thinking, why release it now? The film isn't out for like seven months. Why not release a better version of the trailer when it's ready? I think I'm immune to CGI. Maybe I just don't notice it. I didn't notice any bad effects. It's still recognisable as Mad Max, the current Mad Max, the Furiosa, Tom Hardy style. It's still very similar. It's more when you look at the cars and the shadows and stuff like that. It really stood out to me that... Well, that doesn't look like it's quite integrated into the environment yet. Okay, no. But it doesn't make any sense to me why you would release it now. I mean, there's no urgency because it's out in like seven months or something like that. Could have waited until February or something. Who's the publisher? Who's the studio? I don't know. I'm just wondering if this is one of those cases where something bad is going to happen, so we need to distract everybody with it. <laughs> We're about to find out that Chris Hemsworth are wrong. And- yeah, I was thinking more like having to fire a ton of prop people or when we're making a couple of writers homeless. But look, it's Mad Max. It's <laughs> but other than the visual side of it, which I'm hoping will get better, the trailer looks really good. Anya Taylor-Joy playing certainly against the type that I've ever seen her and Chris Hemsworth really outside of his comfort zone. It's outside of his comfort zone, but it looks like his character was inspired by watching Thor. Yeah. And Marvel. I'm going like, I want to be like Thor. He's still got like the red cape, but also he's, this is the least handsome version of Chris Hemsworth where he's just like, <laughs> yeah, ladies and gentlemen, race in a car, and he's kind of slurry and what's that word? I guess it's a larrikin. It's an Australian larrikin. It's <laughs> just sort of looking for trouble, and everyone in this universe is dusty and grimy and getting by. Yeah. I know a lot of people were upset about Anya Taylor-Joy taking the role from Charlie Theron, but it's a very similar sort of casting that they're not obviously a different, obviously the different actress playing the same person, but it looks like this is what Furiosa could have looked like when she was younger. Yeah, same director who also directed the other Mad Max movies. He's in his 70s, I think, so he's one of the Ridley Scott crowd, the yeah. old guys directing movies. Well, the thing about Fury Road is it came out at a point where action movies were starting to look a bit incompetent or had been for a while. You know, the eras where John Wick came out and it was, oh God, that's actually a good action movie. We're so used to bad ones that we didn't realise what a good one looked like. And then Fury Road came out and it was, here's a blockbuster where we mix practical and CGI in the most effective way possible. And you can't tell. You think it's all practical because it looks so good. And then it sort of shot all blockbusters out of the water in terms of quality and on the technical aspect. So it is almost a case of the old guy came back to show the young guys how it's all done and he's back doing this again so i don't know what to make of it but i liked fury road yeah i like fury this is just more fury road it kind of looks like you know that you get like a good video game sequel where it's like this looks familiar loads of car chases immortan joe those was it the war boys yeah the only 
Mad Max film I've seen is Fury Road. So I don't know if there's more from the 80s movies. Any references for that would have gone over my head. But this still looks like don't fix what's not broken situation, which is just everyone kind of loved Fury Road. And it was simple in its execution. It was just very cool car chases. This is just more cool car chases. Heavy metal car chases. Yeah, just heavy metal car chase. I was going to say, but with a difference, but not really. It's just the same big spear, bouncy sticks and big trucks and drums and everything. Yeah, well, the world doesn't progress too much, really. No, it all stays the same, but just more good stuff. So I was like, yeah, more good stuff's good. I wonder if it'll be a two-hour chase again, like Fury Road was, where they get to one side of the chase and decide, we're going to turn around and go back the way we came, and then there's another chase. Maybe. So yeah, what do we get? So in this trailer, story-wise, Furiosa has been taken from either her family or her community to be part of Immortan Joe's empire. I can't remember the movie very well, to be honest, Fury Road, if that was in that film. Yeah, the whole thing that starts the chase is she decides to escape and she takes all the women with her, all the pregnant women. Yeah, she takes the, the brides. But I can't remember in that movie if she then goes to find her people. No, when they turn around, they go back and then they take... They just take over Morton Joe's plane. Her family will be long dead. It's that sort of world. That's true, yeah. So we kind of know that she's on a fool's errand to return home. It's not like a lion, the Dev Patel movie, where there's somewhere and I can find her by using Google Earth or whatever. Yeah, by accidentally letting my mouse slip, I suddenly stumble onto the right location. Obviously, we'll get more into her childhood and who she grew up with. She has a bionic arm in this film. Yeah. Do you think that will be a long-standing thing, or do you reckon they'll go into the, you'll lose your arm? I don't know. I would be okay if she just started with it, because it's easier to imagine how it happened. I don't think this is a sort of, still pretty brutal with car crashes and stuff, but it's not really like a dismemberment, rig an arm up. Yeah, she'll probably just have the arm. Yeah. Like I say, it'd be easy to figure out how it happened to her. Someone cut it off, she got it trapped under a car, whatever. Yeah. It's just useless. So this arm's pretty rubbish, I'm going to get a metal. Well, there's not too much to say, because it is just more... And Max. Cool. Yeah, I'll watch it, obviously, when it comes out. It's like if you like going to the circus and then the circus comes back, you're like, yeah, great, more circus. <laughs> yeah. I remember I watched Fury Road when they released the black and white version. Remember when that was a trend for a while? That was rubbish because one of the great things about Fury Road is the use of colour. Is its palette, yeah, the intense hot, like hot, sticky colour palette. Yeah. yeah, it made sense for Logan. I think it worked for Logan when they released that in black and white because it added a sense of mood to it that wasn't quite there in the colour version. So you could watch that and get something different out of it. But I think with Fury Road, you're just missing something. Like I said, it, it was an easy trend to release a popular thing again. Yeah, and it was ample for film bros to go, well, this is the real version. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. Because the second one's in colour. So obviously the colour one's more popular. <laughs> you can watch the Snyder Cut in black and white as well. Again, why would you? It's not amazingly colourful anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to take all the colour out. Just rob you of whatever colour you were looking for. Seven months. Second trailer will hopefully have more finished effects. Probably around like Comic-Con-ish time, like June. Probably before that if it's coming out in, I think it's July. Okay, no, yeah, so yeah, a bit before that. Staying on the apocalypse vibe, the end we start from. This is a world where London has been flooded, and I'm going to make this joke like I always make it, and somehow all the press screenings are still there. All the press screenings still there, just in boats. <laughs> just in boats, yeah. Well, they did that with the Meg, I think. You could watch the Meg while sitting on a rubber ring on a lake or something. That's pretty cool. I like that. That's a fun gimmick. Yeah, I would do that, maybe. Yeah, so this is Jodie Comer. Or Comer. That's right. Yeah, doing another accent. No, I was going to say, I think this is her accent, isn't it? No, I think she's English. 
I'm going to check because she is the master of accents. No one really knows where she's from. I think she is from Liverpool. I'm going to do a quick Google. So I think this might be, or at least for me, this may be the first time hearing her. Oh, yeah, she is from Liverpool. Yeah. So this is her actual accent. So when I said she's English, I was actually right. You're right, yeah. She's English. She can't be from Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool's still English. By English, I meant one of the more... Like London, where the press screenings are. Yeah, where the press screenings are. The press screenings in England is. (laughs) (laughs) This looks pretty good. It's a weird apocalypse thing, and the trailer had all the reviews because it's been screened at festivals. This is the best film I've ever seen, says someone from some publication. Yeah. So she loses her husband, or at least the father of her child, to the public global warming or whatever flood that takes a lot of lives so it's about raising a family in a horrible situation a horrible wet apocalypse a horrible wet apocalypse a london specific apocalypse because she's in the countryside or i don't know wales or whatever wherever she is <laughs> it's an apocalypse where your socks are always wet and there's nothing you can do about it yeah other than not wearing socks i suppose that would work not wearing socks yeah that's a horrible future they face <laughs> yeah yeah it wouldn't be great but yeah it looks good it's art house apocalypse it looks like an arty film yeah some heavy topics like grief and climate change how change motherhood it's nice to look at trailers that aren't explosions also. <laughs> just floods just lots of water yeah, and she's always very good in what she's in, and everyone's raving about it, according to the trailer. I mean, that's a bit biased. I wouldn't necessarily trust those early reactions that come out of festivals in a lot of cases. Speaking of someone that has written reviews at film festivals, and had, at least in one case, quoted on the trailer. I'd love to see a trailer do both sides of the argument for the next Star Wars movie or whatever. It's like, the best Star Wars has ever been. This is the future. And then we're like, not for me. (laughs) In the spirit of fairness, we're putting the negative reviews on the trailer as well. The best Star Wars movie ever made. And then the next one comes up with, it's just a new hope again. Just a new hope again. Maybe they will come up with some kind of advertising standards law that they have to accurately market things. I don't know. Because I think like you were saying about how there was sort of a shift in action movies with Mad Max. We're probably having another shift soon because Disney have been saying a lot of wrong takes recently, which I don't think we need to really discuss because it's the obvious what the money man would say is the problem option. Another interesting thing is Godzilla Minus One has been screening in places. I won't see it for another couple of weeks, but I'm really looking forward to it. It's the Toho Japanese Godzilla movie. So they're made on far less of a budget than the Monsterverse movies that we get. And a lot of people have been remarking about how great it looks, despite how little a budget it was made on. You can apparently see the cracks, but when you think, wow, they've achieved that with this kind of money, you think about more modest budgets. Imagine what more modest budgets carefully managed could achieve. Yeah, what was that? The um, creator, wasn't it? Which was also like pennies. We talked about that earlier, but yeah. Gareth Edwards should be teaching classes on how to manage budget. That's how good he is at it. Yeah. I think everyone's guessing the shift will be lower budgets used more cleverly than... Smart money. Just chuck a load of money at it and it has to make a billion to do well or whatever. Yeah. These films never really went away. You get them at festivals. There's less fanfare about them, I suppose, but... They tend to be where you're going to get what you want out of these sorts of things. Yeah. Again, yeah, because we talk in terms of blockbusters a lot of the time. This podcast, but a lot of what well, we've seen from this year, the things that are making money are the non-blockbuster, well, they're still blockbuster, but the non-sequels and the non-franchises. And where effort has clearly been put in. Yeah, exactly. Because Barbie, of course, it's the most franchised thing you could ever think of, almost. And it made a ton of money because... You could see the effort. You could see the passion. It was thought about. It wasn't just do the formula. Yeah. So I'll see this when it comes out, whenever that is. 
Yeah, that's good. Okay, let's move on. We've got a brief animated teaser for the next DC animated thing, Justice League Crisis, which is going to be a three-part adaptation of Crisis on Infinite Earths. But I guess pulling heavily from the current run of DC animated stuff. So Jensen Ackles, Batman and Meg Donnelly's Supergirl and all that stuff. And well, I've seen an adaptation of Crisis on Infinite Earths, the CW one. And with hindsight, after thinking about it for a few years, not that great in a lot of places. It has some great character stuff, but the story just doesn't make any sense. I don't know what crack they were smoking when they were writing it, but nothing hangs together. So this is another way to do it. And animation, people always say you can do more because it costs less, which isn't quite true, but you can visualize more, I suppose. Yeah. You don't have to build any sets and stuff, I guess. It's still a lot of effort, but the tools are the animating tools, essentially. If you can draw it and animate it, there's no location or film or whatever. Yeah, they always keep to go back to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Well, the whole point, it was just kind of a big tidy up. Yeah, and... The animated movies, they've had a, at best a loose continuity. You have some that are part of a series, but they're not connected to the ones that came before or after, things like that. For example, they did the two-part Death of Superman movie, which has nothing to do with any other animated movie they were making. And then the earlier ones were loosely connected to the 90s animated cartoons, the Batman and Superman one and so on. But DC's had such a rich and interesting history that they could really play with that in an animated crisis they could bring in old animated characters or old animated versions. I suppose, yeah, also as well as being a sort of tidy up story, what would make a crisis an Infinite Earth story fun is you have all the toys in the toy box. You can bring in anyone. It's Infinite Earths, so you can kind of go wild with it. The purpose of this wouldn't be to reset any continuity, though, because as I said, with the animated stuff, they don't care about keeping any kind of consistency. So it will just be for itself, I suppose? Yeah, it's just because it is a well-known DC storyline. There's also a Watchmen animated thing coming out next year sometime as well that was announced at the same time this was, so we'll see how that goes. And I've not followed the animated DC stuff too much, but I know it has its fans and it has some people who are sort of against it, but... I'm a fan. They do well. They've done lots of the DC stories. Some better than others? Yes, yeah, some better than others. Some, I think it depends on, because I think like Killing Joke... Not went rogue, but they added on more story. The killing joke made Batman look like a creepy groomer. Yeah, they, they went into a creepy groomer and there were some weird stereotypes that were very odd. And they flattened the colour palette as opposed to what the comic book version had, which was a mistake as well. I think there's a version on YouTube where someone's recolored it to make it look more like the comic. They did the same to the comic. When the killing joke came out, it was very vibrant. And then they did a modernised recolour which was universally unpopular, but it was more realistic colours. I've read both versions, and I think there's benefits to both, obviously, the insane colours of the original. They build up the sort of tonal jarringness of the story, but then the flashback stuff in the recolour is more interestingly done. So collectively, and this is way off tangent, but collectively there's one good version with the flashback and the present in both colour versions, which I'm sure someone online will have made and will be available. <laughs> I'm sure there is a recoloured version of the film that you can watch somewhere yeah the equivalent of the fan edits you get on live action movies yeah and the motion comics and stuff that people make yeah but i'll watch this and maybe i'll get to do some interviews for it as well because with dc animated movies sometimes i get to talk to people yeah okay what dc story would you like to see is there any specific one that you think would be fun to see in an animated thing whether it's a still a popular one or one that's less known or well, i'm not sure actually because the thing with DC Comics is I'm not as familiar with them as I am Marvel Comics. So other than the celebrated runs that everybody talks about, I don't know a ton of other stuff, really, other than just general, there's a run of Superman that I read or whatever that was written by this guy or something like that. But a lot of the big ticket ones they've already done in animated form. They've done a lot of big ones, yeah. 
the Dark Knight Returns has been done, the Killing Joke's been done, Superman versus the Elite, which is the adaptation of the What's so great about truth, justice, and the American way issue? They've not done the one where he gets infected by the brain slug yet. You know, the Kryptonian thing that lets him imagine he's on Krypton for the man who has everything. Oh, yeah. They adapted that in Supergirl, funnily enough. Not animated yet. They did The Death of Superman, which is probably one of the most famous ones. They did that twice, weirdly. It does die a lot. Actually, something I would like to see is maybe them making films about characters that aren't Batman or Superman, or occasionally Wonder Woman, and then The Flash gets a look in once in a while, and Green Lantern gets a look in once in a while. There's so many characters they could do. Give us a detective noir, the question story or something like that in animated form. The whole point about the animation thing, or it feels like they're not trying to make a ton of money out of them they bring in cash but they're not blockbuster hits you know they release some of them in cinemas and whatever else but i think that's up to the cinema whether they're screening them rather than an actual theatrical release but just go a bit nuts with it dive into your catalog and see what you can do with different things the detective noir question would be actually really great i'd love to see that or maybe a detective noir martian manhunter which would be very similar actually yeah they could do a team up Stuff like that, I think, I would like to see. Just let me get to know some of these other characters that don't really get a lot of play. Do you have any? One book I really liked from, I think it was last year, was Catwoman Lonely City, which is set 10 years after there's an event called April Fool's Day, which takes the life of Batman, Joker, Dick Grayson, and Commissioner Gordon. And Catwoman's imprisoned. It's 10 years later. She's free. And she's sort of getting used to a post Batman Gotham that's moved on like 10 years ahead. So it's supposed to this, but it's got like what's happened with Poison Ivy, Riddler. A lot of them have either moved away from crime or they've gone back to the old style, you know, your business side of your stuff and your non-business side of stuff. It's a look at what would Gotham be like once these stories are over. How would it pan out? So I was thinking about like an example of what they could do in adaptation. I think that'd be really good. Yeah. Something that you're unlikely to get as a movie. Yeah, it's Catwoman, so she still does a heist. So there's still a driving thing, but it's mainly about the world of Gotham and with Batman, the rules are everyone's kind of got their gimmick and their thing, and Batman is the connecting thing between all of them. And then when that kind of breaks down, what happens? Yeah, what happens? I think that'd be really fun. It's elseworldy, different, but it's more of a low key, less sort of action y, less explosion y story to see. There is a Catwoman animated film actually, it came out a year or so ago called Catwoman Hunted. She seduces Batwoman and stuff like that during the course of it elizabeth gillies i think you pronounce her name she was the voice of catwoman but yeah there's all sorts of stuff they could dig into and play with and they do tend to lean on batman and superman quite heavily more so batman as well for i guess obvious reasons but i'd like to see different stuff and this one's gonna have lots of batman and superman oh yeah it's have lots of batman and superman some of which will die yeah there will be an Easter egg or trailer breakdown video out there that I did not watch because it was 40 seconds and I wasn't going into that kind of detail. But it's out there for you. But it'll be out pretty soon and maybe I'll do some interviews. Who knows? Hopefully. I will be on my best behaviour and maybe they'll throw some my way. Our last trailer is a trailer that we also talked about previously, but we have a full trailer now for Ted. When this was announced, I think it was Kat I was talking to, and I made some predictions as to what the series would contain a lot of. Those predictions were things like masturbation jokes, lowest common denominator horny jokes. Yeah, horny teenager stuff. And that's what it is. It's full of it. I didn't get all the way through this trailer. Oh, I wow. I was like, I get it. I did laugh quite heavily at one point actually where the teacher's talking about sex ed and says masturbation is if you're giving out homework he did his this morning thought it would be quite funny that's a bit weird. i was like i get it <laughs> i was like i get what this is going for again i wasn't a major fan of ted because it is just peter griffin 
but oh, yeah. in the real world. As a teddy bear. As a teddy bear. So now this is coming back, I'm not like, oh yeah, I remember this, go back to this world. I don't remember very well. Like I said, I get it. I get what the joke is. It's just horny, lusty teenagers and also there's a teddy bear involved. It's family guy humour. Yeah. I do quite like that everyone just sort of accepts that there's just a talking teddy bear <laughs> that has their own desk and everything. I quite like the idea of conceptually that you're a young kid and then you wish your teddy bear was alive and could be your friend. And you're kind of stuck with it. Yeah, what happens when that thing is still there and you're not a child anymore? And you've just still got this teddy bear that's alive. Yeah. yeah turns out it is like Family Guy, apparently, at least in this version. Yeah, it's not juvenile, but it's Family Guy humour, which is not unfunny. But I think it's funnier in the worlds of Family Guy or American Dad. Ted wasn't really for me because, again, it's a lot of, it's just Peter Griffin again. Yeah. So, like I said earlier in this, well, not in this recording, but in this episode, I'm not that fussed about this. Now. This full trailer, I'd say, make me less fussed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still stand by what I said about, I'll give it a shot, see what I think. Yeah. Might be mildly entertaining. Considering I watched two episodes of the new Frasier and didn't laugh once. Maybe I'll laugh once. I laughed once in the trailer. For Frasier? No, for this. I didn't laugh at all in the trailer for Frasier or in the two episodes that I watched. He's been talking about the importance of Beast. I don't know if you've noticed. He's a massive fan of Beast, the X-Men character. I'm sure he is. But I think he's saying that because Frasier's not doing well. <laughs> it's like, people want to see Beast. That's what they remember. People think it's all about Wolverine, but it's really about my performance as Beast in that one movie I'm in. And what many consider to be the worst X-Men movie. Yeah. Although he was the good thing about it, I suppose. One of the good things. I suppose until they make that money plane sequel, he has to use his beast card <laughs> to stay relevant. Money plane two. Money plane two. More money, more planes. Yeah, that's what you would call it. Or he's in the Expendables four. He's in the Expendables three. Oh, I hope it's as Frasier. I'm not <laughs> in the Expendables. I think it'd be really funny if he just does the character of Frasier, but in an action movie. Or do you remember when he was in Transformers and he just got casually shot at by Optimus Prime? Vaguely. I think that's how he'd want you to remember him in Transformers. Vaguely. Vaguely, yeah. Everyone's vaguely transformed. Yeah, pretty much. And Mark Wahlberg, so a Ted connection. Yeah. That's it for trailers. We mean it this time. We're really done with them. Yeah. Don't release any more. Well, it's December anyway, so it's Andrew's problem or <laughs> it's free. It'll be Chris for the December news. Mostly because he's guaranteed to be around at Christmas or after Christmas. Spoilers for December. Yeah. So if you don't like Chris, then... Don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also that's mean. You're going to do that to Chris. He does so much work for this podcast. He does, including sometimes being on it. Sometimes he's on it. Right, let's move on. We've got some more news stuff. And I alluded to the fact that we have been found wrong because we speculated that they might be moving away from Kang. Turns out maybe not because they've hired a writer for Avengers of Kang Dynasty. So it looks like they're still planning to make it. Even though they lost their director, they have gained a writer, Michael Waldron, who did Loki season one. Also, what you mentioned earlier, was it Sex Education that he did? I may have been wrong about that. Kate Heron was involved in Sex Education. She was a director of Loki. Yeah, okay. I don't know if Michael Waldron was. Anyway, he's going to be doing Avengers the Kang Dynasty. Did he also do Doctor Strange 2? Yes, he wrote Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So why he would be hired by Marvel to do that again is beyond me, because all he did was complain about how much of a nightmare that was. I don't know if you saw the interview, but Aaron will bring it up any chance he gets. He talked about how there was a problem with Act 2, and they had to write Act 2 on the fly but you have an act three and you have a problem with act two and you have an act three and it was because they were constantly throwing notes saying change this change this change this rewrite this rewrite the whole film you have two weeks and, and stuff like that and i don't know if that were me i would be thinking do i want to work with these clowns again because it sounds horrible do we know for sure that he's writing avengers the kang dynasty or is he writing the avengers movie that is taking the place of kang dynasty 
Is that an option? It does say he's been hired to write the Kang Dynasty. Okay, doke. He's also going to do Secret Wars. Yeah. So that's two Avengers movies that you can just have changed from under him at any random point. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, Bob Iger thinks that what movies need is more studio interference, less creative voices. Oh, yeah. He did say that. And he thinks that people have lost sight of their jobs and it should be about entertainment, not messages. It's not about a message. It's about mindless entertainment. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's well proven that every good movie has had a lot of executive interference. That's what we need. More executive. Lots of executive interference and less direct storytelling. I do understand to an extent because sometimes a director or a writer will have completely the wrong idea. But that's why they have meetings about it at every stage of the process or should do to discuss these things. Some directors are better at that than others. Like James Gunn, for example, he seems to work really well with studios. Yeah, I was watching a really good video about the current run of Star Wars stuff and about how the reason Andor works head and shoulders above the other things is because the characters are doing stuff for reasons. I still not watched Andor. I will get onto it because everyone's saying that's the best thing so I should get onto it. It's like your Loki homework that you still have. Oh uh, yeah, Hawkeye homework. Hawkeye homework, sorry, yeah. Yeah, Hawkework. Cassian Andor is doing stuff because his character is doing stuff or this guy is doing stuff because this as opposed to Obi-Wan where it's like, we need Obi-Wan in it, we need Darth Vader in it. Andor is written around interesting characters and interesting story first whereas the other shows like Boba Fett and Obi-Wan Kenobi and Ahsoka are the reverse. It's like, okay, these are the characters we have to include. How can we get the story to include these ones? Yeah. Also, we need all this fan service. Throw that in there as well. Yeah, you need this. You need this. You need this. So if Michael Waldron's writing the Avengers, at least this is 2027 or 26. Well, who knows? It's going to slide, probably. It's definitely going to slide further down. So he won't be writing any of it on the fly, which is good. I mean, it might still be on the fly because, like I said, Multiverse of Madness, they kept changing it. They kept throwing stuff. They kept throwing scripts out. All sorts of weird stuff happened with that movie. And the fact that it actually made it to screen and is at least somewhat coherent as a miracle. But I hope Michael Waldron has looked back on that experience and at least got some guarantees here that they're going to let him write a couple of films. Yeah, this is probably, I don't know how Hollywood works really, but I think one of the things he's probably gone, like one of his caveats is, well, I want to work on the storying before any filming goes. Let's get the scripts tight. And not the famous thing about series two of Loki, but one of the big things was we didn't do any reshoots on this because we knew what we were shooting when we shot it. <laughs> We'd planned it ahead so we didn't have to change anything. And I love that series. I thought it was really good. Although reshoots aren't necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes they're necessary, as in the shot didn't come out as well as we hoped. Or... Yeah, I mean, there's technical reshoots and stuff but there wasn't any course correction or we shot it roughly just to get it in there so we could see it for the edit but we need to go back and do it properly yeah i know there's been a few i don't know if it's accusations is the right word but there's been things of we'll figure out what this shot is later style of filmmaking which was the she hulk situation well that's definitely happened the vfx artists have said so and i hope he's been guaranteed that they'll let him write a film and, and like i said i do understand that filmmaking is a collaborative process anyway but it's also the idea of someone's giving you a ton of money to make something they're going to have some steer on what they want done with it so there will always be that push and pull and like i say some directors and writers i guess work better with studios than others james gunn's a good example we saw guardians 3 and it feels like that's pretty much the film he wanted to make i mean it won't have entirely been i think there will be some concessions he'll have had to make but they're not obvious yeah you don't look at it and say this is the bit where bob Iger told him to do this yeah any collaboration or agreements have been written into the story of the film that makes sense it's not all of a sudden this has to happen there's none of that 
It's like an Age of Ultron where Thor goes for a bath and has some visions. That's probably thrown in by someone else. Yeah, it's all cohesive. Like I said, any decisions have all been worked into it so that they matter to the story they're telling and stuff. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. But apparently they're still making it. And Jonathan Majors is on trial this month, I think, as in December. Yeah. We'll see. Could take ages. Anything could happen. We'll see. Another bit of Marvel news is Tom Holland is actively engaging in talks for Spider-Man 4 about what it could look like. And he says he won't make another one for the sake of making another one. He cares about the character. He really wants them to make a good film. Which, yeah, cool. And what isn't in the interview, but probably he said it is, he wants Bob Iger on set giving him suggestions. I like that Tom Holland is the people's Spider-Man. I can't remember if it was the second or third one where he did the whole thing where Sony didn't want to do it. So he was like, I personally spoke to the head of Sony and I fought for the film to get made. (laughs) Was that the third? I don't know. It was one of them. I remember that story, yeah. There's no reason to assume that it's a lie. I like that he's like, if we make a fourth Spider-Man film... It has to be a story worth telling, especially because No Way Home. It's a hard act to follow. Yeah. I think you've mentioned either in personal life or on this. We still haven't seen Spider-Man unmentored and uncollaboratively just doing a Spider-Man thing. Yeah. So I wonder if Tom Holland will approve of them wanting to merge the Sony characters into the MCU. Like we were just saying, it won't be 100% creative control start. No, of course not. But then he is also Spider-Man. But I think he also has the clout to walk away if he doesn't like it as well. Yeah, he could just be like, yeah, nah. He'll get other work. Oh, yeah, definitely. He can go do the Uncharted sequel, maybe. It'll be more savvy and wise like stuff, and he'll have more, like I said, clout, so him and his agent can get him roles. I liked his Spider-Man, I'd love to see more. We'll talk about it in a bit, but actors with clout can be quite powerful, actually, in, in terms of making statements. But Tom Holland, he's at a point in his career where he probably has offers coming in all the time, so he could afford to just say no. Yeah, he's not going to go back to working in Starbucks or whatever if he turns down Spider-Man. <laughs> he's fine. <laughs> yeah, so he could afford to just say no if he didn't think that what Bob Iger wants, for example, is wouldn't really be him. It would be Amy Pascal. She also doesn't have a clue, but he'd be able to turn around to these people and say, well, this is not the kind of thing I want to play, so I'm not doing it. Yeah, that's like fair. Yeah, go find someone else. And then they do, probably. Definitely be up for Spider-Man 4. I'd be up for more of a, I guess, a back-to-basic Spider-Man. Speaking of young actors in Marvel telling them how it's done, actually, did you see a man Villani talking about what Marvel need to do to get back to success? As in, you need to make it about characters that people care about again, rather than the spectacle. Oh yeah, she's a new Kevin Feige. I'm like, let's do this. Just give her Kevin Feige's job, apparently, because he's lost touch, it seems. I did did see that. Aman Villani. She's a great ambassador for Marvel. She is, yeah, she's really good. Because she loves it, and she's a big fan. Yeah, it's infectious. I think that's what people like about it. Did you see the exact opposite, where Taika Waititi was talking honestly about why he did Thor? Yeah, he did it because he was broke and needed money. He's like, I never had a Thor comic, I don't really care. They just paid me a lot of money and I could feed my kids. That's why I go to work. (laughs) (laughs) Can't cast stones at you know i would only judge them for it if the product they turned out wasn't very good yeah so if thor ragnarok was terrible and taiki Waititi said yeah i didn't really care i just did it as a job then i would think well you should have put some effort in but it was good they still put the effort in to make it their own film and everything it's like when rachel zegler says i don't care about this role that i've been cast in she's still good in the film though so what difference does it make yeah they, they still go like i'll do it and it's a job and it's for money but I'm going to do it properly. I'm not going to phone it in. People would argue that Taika Waititi phoned in Love and Thunder, but that's another story. I don't think he phoned it in. I think he went too far. I think that was the problem. Yeah, I'm not saying Love and Thunder, but I've heard it. It's just they went a bit too silly. Yeah, he went full Waititi, which is 
apparently something he should never do. But yeah, I have noticed a lot of people are turning on Taika Waititi. And I think it's just because he's just honest. He's also quite obnoxious, I think, when he speaks in public, which doesn't help him. Like when he released that video with Tessa Thompson making fun of the special effects in Love and Thunder. Well, you worked with these people. It's your film. Yeah, you, you still send off on it. Does this scene look good? No, it doesn't. But that's kind of your fault. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Holland, he might be back. He's up for Spider-Man 4, if it's good. He said, I feel very protective over Spider-Man. I could do my Tom Holland impression, but I don't have a Tom Holland impression. There's another podcast we both listen to where they do impressions of Tom Holland, and it's usually quite funny, but I'm not going to do that. Nah, I'm not good enough. He said, I feel very, very lucky that we're able to work on a franchise that got better with each movie, that got more successful with each movie, which I think is really rare, and I want to protect his legacy, so I won't make another one for the sake of making another one. It will have to be worth the while of the character. Fair enough. Yeah, I like when people know what they want and they're not just going like, oh yeah, okay, okay, whatever. They're like, no, no, I'm the face of this. It's my responsibility and stuff. With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. I'm going to bring up one. This isn't news, but this set Twitter and Facebook ablaze briefly. On the cover of The Dark Knight Returns is Batman facing forwards or backwards. <laughs> this is the big thing. Apparently, it's forwards. He's supposed to be the pose, you know, in the lightning. Yeah. He's facing the book cover. I always thought he was jumping to the side. Yeah. Some people thought we're behind him, we're to the side of him, we're front of him. But also, no one's really thought, like, it's maybe the most iconic Batman image. But it's surprising. I've never thought about it. It's just <laughs> in the lightning. His cape's doing a pose and he's doing the arms up stuff. But I think a lot of people were a little mind blown. I've never actually properly looked at this. <laughs> Which way is he facing and stuff? But the artist said he's facing forwards i think the idea is he's facing forwards right this is frank miller into it i don't think it was frank miller himself who said that is either a colorist or something else someone who was like oh yeah the idea is that it's a new dress debate yeah it's the is this dress blue or white or whatever this one is which way is batman jumping on the cover <laughs> of Dark Knight returns well, i always thought he was jumping to the side uh, i just thought i thought well we're moving on to dc again anyway so that's a good segue we have more casting for superman Yes. One of these was announced moments after we finished recording. Yeah, I think we just stopped record, turned on Facebook, was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, because you messaged me like an hour later saying, oh, we're going to do a big mop. Yeah. The first one I'm going to talk about, it's probably not the first one that was announced, but never mind. We have casting for Jimmy Olsen and Eve Tessmacher. Eve Tessmacher being Lex Luthor's assistant in particularly the Richard Donner Superman movie, and she's been adapted a few times since. We have Skylar Gazondo as Jimmy Olsen and Sarah Sampaio as Eve Tessmacher. I have seen neither of them in anything. Gazondo is in HBO's The Righteous Gemstones, and he's in Licorice Pizza as well. I have seen Licorice Pizza, and he's also in Booksmart. Okay, I've seen Booksmart. He's probably just one of the young kids. And just one of them, yeah. He certainly looks like a Jimmy Olsen. He does. You can't follow He would have walked in and gone like, yeah, that's Jimmy Olsen. As opposed to the Supergirl one, it's this six foot two ripped guy. Yeah, or the Zack Snyder's Jimmy Olsen, which is just anyone. <laughs> yeah, well, he was a CI agent, the Zack Snyder yeah. version, and not in the theatrical cut, and shot in the head. And shot in the head. But he was a photographer as well, before he was shot in the head. Oh yeah, because he had a recording equipment in his camera or something. They spotted a light. yeah. That's why he was shot in the head. But yeah, so we have a Jimmy Olsen, a recognisable Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. And the Eve Tessmacher actress is a Portuguese model. I don't know much about the character. Well, you've seen the Richard Donner Superman movie. I've seen the Richard Donner, but I don't remember them very well. She's just one of his lackeys in that. But there's other versions where she's done more. And then there's a character that she sometimes gets merged into called Mercy Graves as well. 
which is a character you might be a bit more familiar with. She's Lexi's muscle, essentially. She's very capable in that way. There was a version of Eve Tessmacher in Supergirl as well. Okay. And as I mentioned, Jimmy, who was six foot two and ripped. Yeah. I remember when I reviewed it, I used to just call him James because I'm like, this guy's not Jimmy Olsen. It's not Jimmy, he's James. Plus everybody in the show called him James as well. Okay. Except Clark, whenever he was there. But we're skirting around the big casting. Yeah, I don't have much to say about these two actors because, well, I've seen Booksmart, but he'll be one of them. I don't remember him in that specifically. And then I don't know my Portuguese models that well. No. Sure, it'll be fine. But we have casting for Lex Luthor, and it was who was rumoured, actually. Nicholas Holt, who was also tested for Superman, apparently. Which feels very Lex Luthor, doesn't it? Passed over for Superman, so now he's Lex Luthor. It is going to fit in the complex. Yeah. I'm going to be controversial and say that I'm not a huge fan of Nicholas Holt. I don't have any strong feeling towards him. I usually find him pretty bland. We talked about Beast. Kelsey Grammer as Beast was great. Nicholas Holt was not. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a Nicholas Holt film where it's like, what a standout performance. Yeah. Warm Bodies, the zombie one, he's not very good in that. Is he the best in Mad Max when he's just one of those goons? Yeah, he's in Mad Max where he's just maniacal. He's a war boy, yeah. Yeah. About a Boy, which was many, many years ago. Don't think I've seen that one. He was in Skins, the first season of Skins. Okay. Because I remember when Skins season one came out, there was a lot of editorials that were, ooh, the kid from About a Boy is all grown up and he's rude. Yeah. He was in Renfield as well, have you seen that? No, I didn't see Renfield. Again, I don't think he was that good in that. He was completely overshadowed by Nicolas Cage, though. Anyone would be in that. The only thing I've seen him in us ensembles. I don't think I've seen him be the pivotal character. He was Tolkien, played G.R.R. Tolkien in Tolkien. No, I don't know that one, yeah. Again, he wasn't very good in that, although Tolkien's kind of a boring guy anyway. He just made it just an author. He was just an author and a professor, and he fought in the war. His life wasn't... Well, it was interesting, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but who didn't yeah. in conscription times? Yeah. Legends of Tomorrow also had Tolkien in a couple of episodes and they worked with him because they're time travellers, which was much more fun. So what kind of Lex Luthor do you think we're getting? What kind of Lex Luthor are we getting? I don't know, actually. You normally attribute Lex Luthor to the, the boogeyman of the time, so to speak. When he was first conceived off, he was a mad scientist because yeah. everyone was afraid of that. And then eventually became a businessman because big business was the enemy. I guess politician? We haven't done that yet. I think Elon Musk. I think the Elon Musk style Lex Luthor's coming. Well, that was kind of the Jesse Eisenberg version, wasn't it? I don't know what that was. The Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor. I think he was a Zuckerberg. I guess, but he was also traditional Lex and he was a mad scientist. Yeah, there was a scientist stuff, but I think Jesse Eisenberg's one was the billionaire kid, the whiz kid who doesn't quite seem human. I think they'll go with the Elon Musk. I don't know how to describe Elon Musk very well. Rich lunatic. There's somewhat delusional, looked into life. I actually think in my favourite forms, he's never looked in. He's not like a Donald Trump. He is genuinely the smartest man. He is a genius, but he happens to live in a world where there is metahumans. He is the smartest man in Metropolis. He's callous and he will do whatever it takes for him over there anything else and he has a business face and a real face but his sort of tragedy is that he lives in comic book universe as opposed to our universe where he would have everything he could have desired he would rule the world in our reality but he happens to exist in a world where from his point of view no matter how clever and how ambitious and how successful he is from what he sees just some guy has shown up that the world loves and that itches at his brain forever. I remember seeing a lot of people comment that Elon Musk sees himself as a bit of a Lex Luthor, but he isn't smart enough and all that kind of stuff. So I guess 
Elon Musk, but the hype is real, as in he is as good as he thinks he is. Yeah, if Elon Musk was the person he thinks he is, yeah. I think that's the sort of thing we'll go with. Yeah, that's a possibility, and that's kind of your businessman side of it again as well. Yeah, it's sort of the businessman. It's businessmen as megastars, isn't it? Yeah. Politician is also an option, I think. He could be senator who wants to be president or something like that. Yeah, and this is also a world where the Elon Musks and the billionaires or whatever, they could potentially have more power and influence than country so that's how i imagine it'd go down yeah the most interesting versions of lex are with the idea that he challenges superman because he presents him with challenges that he can't defeat with his powers so it's prove i was behind this for example prove i was behind all these experiments on metahumans you can't because i've hidden my tracks so well that's the business side of it yeah and i always like that he hates superman but usually clark kent writes the expose that puts him away and stuff. <laughs> I always like that as well. He's always trying to kill Lois as well. Doesn't like her. Or sometimes he really likes her. Just depends. This is more of a hope than a prediction. Obviously, there's a lot of cats in this. I don't want to see him as the villain to fight. I like the idea that he'll be in these movies in this world, but he's not putting the plot in motion. He just is an element of that world that they live in. Or I feel like he'll be behind the thing that Superman is dealing with. But like I said, can't be traced back to him kind of thing. Yeah, he'll be behind stuff. He'll be involved with whatever's going on. Just because we've had so many Lex movies, <laughs> we could have a Brainiac or another one, another villain. Somewhat disappointed that they're doing Lex swirly again because it's, as you say, him again. It's Lex again. But yeah, I feel like the film will be about something else and Lex will play a part in it and maybe he's to become more prominent later. We'll need to have that scene that they normally have where Superman goes to his balcony and says, I'm on to you, Luther, and as soon as I can prove it, yeah, it's like a soon. Yeah, well, good luck with that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, Nicholas Holt, sure. Neither of us are sort of like, oh, genius casting or whatever. Yeah. But I also trust James Gunn. I guess I don't know much of a say he has in the casting and characters and stuff, but he knows what he's doing. We'll see. Well, like I said about Pedro Pascal earlier, sometimes I'll say, well, I can't see that. But then I watch the trailer or I watch the film and I'm like, oh yeah, they did good. So Nicholas Holt could surprise me. I really hope he does. But I haven't been massively enthusiastic about him so far. We'll see. We will see. Move on. We have some more moving and shaking in the world of franchising. Dave Filoni, who overseen the Clone Wars, Rebels, The Mandalorian, Ahsoka, is the master of all things in a galaxy far, far away. He's going to be working under or with, I'm not quite sure which, Kathleen Kennedy. He's landed the role of chief creative officer of Star Wars. And there was one tweet I saw that was hilarious where someone said, oh, we're never going to get another good Star Wars thing ever again, are we? Which I don't fully agree with because I loved Clone Wars and Rebels, but I don't think he's done sterling work since. No. He also recently said that anybody could be a Jedi. You just have to work at it. I don't mind that too much. But that runs counter to everything the franchise has told us about it. Yeah. We got as far as anybody can be chosen by the Force, but we didn't get quite as far as, yeah, just anybody. Just keep your eyes focused on that cup and keep willing it to move and it might. Yeah. When you are the CCO, he's not going to be doing everything there'll still be star wars projects that aren't written directed planned out by dave filoni but he's just gone like we're commissioning you to do this sort of thing it's not all doom and gloom i think some of this stuff recently hit is the sort of problem of it's stuff over reasoning and it's too fine wanky as well his stuff. yeah that's a fair complaint about his stuff but i think there'll still be the variety of stuff there'll still be some dave filoni stuff you'll probably bring back Starkiller eventually. He'll eventually get to Starkiller. That wasn't his thing, but yeah, sure. 
He won't be in control of everything, I don't think. He'll commission stuff, there'll still be space for unique voices and different perspectives. But it'll just have to be signed off by him, I think. Outside of Andor, there hasn't been a lot of room for that. I think, and I predict it'll be the creative shake-up with all these franchises and projects, whether it's Star Wars, Marvel, DC, etc., etc. I think there'll be more trying of a thing. Giving someone a go, just not having to be, you know, having Hayden Christensen in it. (laughs) Another funny thing I saw, this was ages ago, talking about Dave Filoni was, it was a picture of the de-aged Harrison Ford, de-aged Mark Hamill and de-aged Carrie Fisher and now Dave Filoni has the ingredients for the worst scene ever filmed. Yeah, there is that film he wants to make that is essentially it's all the worst cards, whatever it's called, Bluey, (laughs) Admiral Bluey. Thrawn. Thrawn, yeah. Admiral Bluey. (laughs) We basically spent the entirety of Ahsoka just finding him and then getting him back into the main galaxy. So yeah, there'll still be Dave Filoni stuff. But I think this doesn't mean there will be other voices. Well, you're more optimistic about it than I am. But I kind of feel like Star Wars has lost me a bit. Ahsoka was just, it wasn't even bad. It was just really nothing. There's definitely a problem that the Star Wars people will be having at the moment. Nobody really cares about any of the stuff. Even Mandalorian, the most recent series, apparently hasn't been up to scratch compared to the previous two. And I think they've got to shift it around a bit. So I, I think they'll have to change in Star Wars stuff, either more considered or it'll be more story-led over, I don't know, what's Count Doku up to? Do you think that means that all the stuff that was announced recently is all binned, the Ray film and all that stuff? Essentially. I don't think it's binned, because they do bin a lot of Star Wars stuff. These things will probably get a big rewrite. I'll be like, okay, we don't do a Ray movie, but we did plan for Luke Skywalker's Force Ghost to be in it. We did plan for Kylo Ren to come back. Let's think about this again, and what can we do with this character? Can we do anything more interesting? I mean, there'll be those sort of conversations going on. Well, I hope so anyway, because I want to be excited for a Star Wars thing again. You want to actually enjoy a Star Wars thing? That'd be nice. Exactly. That'd be fun. Well, you're more optimistic than I am, which is good. Yeah. Let's move on to Scream 7, where everything is imploding over at Scream 7. The first thing to happen was that Melissa Barrera, who is in the most recent ones, she's effectively the lead. She is the lead. I was going to say Jenna Ortega is the lead, but she's not. Definitely Melissa Barrera is. She was fired. She was fired because she spoke out about the Israel-Palestine situation. She was condemning anti-Semitism and saying genocide was bad, basically. We're not going to get into the whole debate around that because I don't think I'd be qualified to deliver any kind of consensus. We're just two people and we don't know anything. But usually when you hear someone fired over tweets, you think, oh Christ, what have they said? Oh, what racist thing have they said? And then I read them and I was thinking, what's wrong with these, actually? She's saying genocide's bad. That's a fair thing to say. Yeah. She made a statement about it as well. She said, first and foremost, I condemn anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. I condemn hate and prejudice of any kind against any group of people. As a Latina, a proud Mexicana, I feel the responsibility of having a platform that allows me the privilege of being heard. And therefore, I've tried to use it to raise awareness about issues I care about and to lend my voice to those in need. Every person on this earth, regardless of a religion, race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation or socioeconomic status, deserves equal human rights, dignity and of course freedom. I believe a group of people are not their leadership and that no governing body should be above criticism. Fair enough. Yeah. But she ends it with, silence is not an option for me. So basically she'll take her firing on the chin, I guess. And that's that. She's not going to be in this anymore. The screen producers made a statement about it. Filmmaker Christopher Landon, who's slated to take over directing duties on Scream 7 after Matt Bettelini, Alpin and Tyler Gillett stepped away after steering the franchise revival, initially offered a statement on Barrera's exit. Everything sucks. Stop yelling. This was not my decision to make, he wrote. 
Wow. Yeah. And then Melissa Barrera made a statement after that, the same statement I just read, the idea that she just doesn't condone any of this and, and stands by what she said, basically. I do think this is a bit of a disturbing trend, actually, if people are going to be giving their opinions and then getting fired for them. It may have been Melissa Barrera that said, or someone else said it, you'll be making films about this in 10 years. Yeah. It's a hot button issue and people are going to have opinions on it, but it's the idea of if you express that opinion, even if it seems to be in a considered and empathetic way, we're going to fire you. I mean, it's just the hot Hollywood machine, isn't it? It just doesn't sit right with me that people aren't allowed to have opinions. Yeah, well, it's not sitting right with anybody because what is happening from this person getting fired is essentially the movie is collapsing. Yeah. And then it's the idea of all these people that say hateful and hurtful things, your Amy Schumers and so on, they're not being fired or suffering any consequences. Susan Sarandon was let go by her agent or her agency for saying something similar as well. Not hate speech as in having a sympathetic opinion what a mess yeah it's a big old mess and we don't know what to <laughs> we're not any authority on anything but no. the fallout is general Ortega has also left the project yes she has although officially it's because she's busy with series two of wednesday with scheduling conflicts for wednesday we could guess they would have known about that yeah i call bull on because wednesday was something that they would be aware of also scream seven wasn't in a state to begin filming yet so what scheduling conflicts are we even talking about basically it's a smoke screen to cover up the fact that she probably left in protest over melissa barrera's firing yeah. that's what i was alluding to when i talked about tom holland has the clout to just walk away so does she yeah because, again, she'll have offers piling up. If it is actually, oh no, I'm just busy with Wednesday. There's enough going like, could it be though? The opinion towards the film is already taken a big hit. We don't know for sure, but it is believable that the actors in the movie would be just sort of like, nah, I'm done with it. I'm going to be involved in this and getting off the sinking ship. And apparently they're even thinking about trying to get Neve Campbell back for the next one. That was after they didn't pay her enough to appear in the last one. Really clutching at straws here, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I've never seen it till I have seen Scream 1 back when I was young, but I've not been in the world, so I can't say when it comes to like, oh, what are they going to do? Probably just not make the movie or delay it for a while. Yeah, or do what Disney had to do with James Gunn and apologise and give people their jobs back. I don't know. But the thing about it, more than Melissa Barrera, I think, she is appearing in more stuff and has more stuff in the pipeline, although maybe not now, depending on how others approach this. But Jenna Ortega is very much this rising star that people want to have cast in things. So losing her from your film, whatever the reason, that's not good for your film. No. So yeah, I hope you weren't looking forward to Scream 7. <laughs> because whatever it will be is not what you would be expecting from the last two. Oh well. It was a good thing while it lasted. That was a fine horror franchise we had once. <laughs> Let's move on. Another revival that's happening, although it seems that it's never really went away. Karate Kid. We're getting another Karate Kid movie with Jackie Chan and Ralph Macchio. They've never appeared together on screen. However, they led films at different corners of the Karate Kid universe. Jackie Chan was in the Will Smith Son reboot. And Ralph Macchio was, of course, the Karate Kid. But we've had Cobra Kai, which everybody seems to like. I've never seen it. No, this is another I know absolutely nothing about Karate Kid. I've seen the, the first two way back. And they were fine as kids' movies. I think I was slightly too young to grow up with them, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and you're younger than me. It would have been nostalgic by the time you would have gotten there. Yeah, absolutely passed me by. I've never seen any of Cobra Kai or any of the world around it and the Jaden Smith one and stuff, but people seem happy about it. So yeah. fans of this franchise seem pretty jazzed to see these two corners of the franchise coming together. Yeah, I'm surprised it's taken this long, actually, because of the popularity of Cobra Kai. I thought they would have jumped straight into trying to get it back on track for another Karate Kid movie. I don't know if Jackie Chan will be reprising his role from the Will Smith's son version. He could. There's no reason those films couldn't exist in the same universe. Yeah. 
He was the Mr. Miyagi type, but he wasn't Mr. Miyagi who trained Will Smith's son. The mentor. Yeah. I imagine this will be very popular. Yeah. People seem to be on board, so good news for Karate Kid fans, probably. Yeah. And this is an addendum to an earlier piece of news. The Frozen writer Jennifer Lee said that there's a lot of story to tell in Frozen 3, which might lead to Frozen 4, which has been announced. In a part one, part two. Yeah. So it's Frozen 3, Infinity War, Frozen 4, Endgame. Yeah. Okay, sure. It could be a giant story you get to out of this, or it could be The Hobbit. We'll find out. The Hobbit, The Hunger Games, Twilight, Harry Potter. All the other times they do that, yeah. That should have just been one. We get to Frozen 4 and then we're like, why is everything happening in this one and nothing happening in the last one? All we know is the titles Frozen 3 and Frozen 4, so you can't even begin to speculate on what's going on. We don't even know who Chris Pratt's going to play in both films. Is he playing Shadow the Hedgehog or is that a parody? I don't know if there's anything official. I didn't even hear that. Let's see if it's real. I saw a thing saying Chris Pratt will voice Shadow the Hedgehog, but I can't remember if it was... Dispossing film or something. Yeah, it could have been a dispossing film. Let's see if there's an actual... No, dispossing film. Ah, okay. So fake. Yeah. One thing I'd forgotten to bring up actually earlier when we talked about the Garfield trailer is I wonder if Andrew Garfield was asked if he wanted to voice Garfield. I guess so. They have a lot in common. The name. Maybe they both don't like Mondays. I don't know. They both love lasagna and hate Mondays. (laughs) Anyway. Okay, so Chris Pratt is currently not Shadow the Hedgehog. He's not Shadow the Hedgehog, but he also isn't not involved in the project. He could be Shadow the Hedgehog, we don't know. It's yet to be announced. It's yet to be announced who Shadow the Hedgehog is. Imagine he's Mario and a Sonic character. People will lose their minds. Every Nintendo Sega or Nintendo Sega or video game product somehow has Chris Pratt involved. And Lego toys. He's everywhere. Lego, yeah. Okay, well, Frozen 3 and 4 might be a big sprawling story. That could be exciting. It might be rubbish. We have no information. Yeah, no. Next up, Deadpool filmmaker Tim Miller is adapting a sci-fi comic called Alien Legion. And what is Alien Legion about, you may ask? It was co-created by Carl Potts, a former editor and writer at Marvel, and was introduced as part of the publisher's creator-owned imprint Epic Comics in 1983. I've heard of them. It's described as the French Foreign Legion in space. The stories focus on an intergalactic peacekeeping force that took in all manner of species without asking too many questions about their past or intentions. Operating within an unwieldy government system known as the Galactic Union that is straining to be a democratic melting pot. Prejudice and bad intentions abounds and struggle with well-intentioned idealists. Mm-hmm. Among the key characters are Saragar, a captain from a serpent-like species that were once used as slave labour. The British degenerate Uger or Juger Grimrod, with his green skin and deep hostility towards authority. The gentle four-armed medic Miko and Tori Montrock, a human who has been forced to do a tour of duty in the Legion in order to receive his inheritance. Sounds a bit like Inglorious Bastards in Space. Yeah, and it'll have a bit of a Guardians vibe, I guess. I guess a lot of Guardians vibe, yeah. Tim Miller is probably a good choice for that. If it's live action which it suggests it will be, that it seems like that'll be quite hard to put on screen. Yeah. But just say adaptation, so it might be a animation. But I think it's probably live action if Tim Miller's doing it. Probably, yeah. It's one of those things that's been bounced around for ages. They haven't made it yet. Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah. Jerry Bruckheimer was going to produce it at one point at Disney in the 2000s. Didn't happen. It had scripts written by David Benioff, who did Game of Thrones and so on eventually the rights went back to the creator and now that's it it's warner brothers are doing it now or are they are they it's really news ones it's a thing that's been optioned might happen but it might not happen but someone's interested sort of thing at warner brothers it's unlikely no one's gonna get excited for it because they'll forget about it or it won't happen (laughs) yeah it'll have a fan base for sure 
get back to us when the trailer comes out. Yeah. But until then, we don't know. <laughs> We're still on the Alien theme, but this is actual Alien as in the franchise. We have two Alien projects that are apparently both coming out. I thought this one in particular had been benched. Noah Hawley who did Legion, that was him. He's doing the FX, he's doing an Alien series there. And Timothy Oliphant has been cast. Doesn't say in what kind of role. This is a prequel to the Alien franchise. Do you think they'll aim for like a Prey-style super prequel, or is it just going to be unconnected to Ripley-style? Not sure, because Alien doesn't really work in the same way. The first encounter with Aliens was an Alien, really. Although Ridley Scott's messed with that with... The prequels he's already made. I don't know enough about Alien to know what the state of the story is. One of the Michael Fassbenders has made them or something, and there's some engineers. Yeah, but they were made before because, yeah, I don't know. His TV series is set before anyway. Yeah, it's a bit of a messy map currently. Yeah, and still on Alien, Alien Romulus, as it's called, is the film that's coming out. Kaylee Spenny's in it. She's currently Priscilla Presley in Priscilla, which isn't out yet, but that's the most recent thing she's doing. She was also in the Pacific Rim sequel when she was a fair bit younger than she is now. Anyway, Alien Romulus, she was asked about it and she said, that it's set between the two Alien films, Alien and Aliens. So that makes me wonder if she's playing Ripley's daughter. From Alien Isolation. Yeah, which is of course non-canon. Yeah, I don't know much about Alien, but that sounds like the sort of thing they do. When it's set almost makes no difference, right? And if it is between Alien and Aliens, then the setting does make no difference because there will be no links. There can't be any links because if it's set between them, then Ripley's in cryosleep. What makes the two good Alien movies good is in the first one, no one, specifically the audience and any of the cast are equipped to deal with it. Yeah. And that's what makes it terrifying. It's an unknown thing. We never really get a full view at, and we just know it's threatening and it's after everybody. What makes Alien 2 good is it's a sort of parody on the super-muscled 80s action heroes, thinking they could just walk in with a billion guns and just stroll their way through carnage of blood and come out unscathed who just get absolutely massacred by a situation that they have not properly prepared for. Yeah, they couldn't possibly prepare for. Yeah, so the more you build onto the lore of the Xenomorph can also sort of damage what made it successful initially. Well, that's why there's only been two good Alien films. Yeah, so there's only been two good Alien movies, because the more you know about them, the less effective they are. And you can listen to myself, Angus and Natalie go through the entire franchise, from Alien to Alien Covenant, and we do the Alien vs. Predators as well. We do that for Alien Day every year. Have you done Alien Isolation? Is that on the list? We've not done the video game. Maybe we will one day. I've never played it. I have watched people speedrun it, which isn't the best experience. I slow ran it. I went incredibly scared and creeped my way around, not daring to go in any rooms. The thing is, if you watch a speedrun of it, you actually see how the mechanics of the alien work and how you can cheese it. I guess it's one of those that's really effective when you play it the first time, but if you play it more times, you'll start to understand how things work. Exactly. No matter what format it's in, the more you know about the alien, the less effective it is. But when (laughs) you're playing it and you're like, I don't know how this works, and it can literally be anywhere, that's how it's effective. So if it was me doing an alien project, you want to aim for that same... Obviously, the audience is familiar with it, so you can't do anything there, but you want to aim for... It's an unstoppable horror situation and then you can dress it up in whatever genre you like really i say any genre you like either horror or action those are the two that have worked you can play with the characters in the story and they can all have different wants and they can backstab each other or they can think they can control it and and all this but when you get into the nitty-gritty of the how and why you, you tend to lose out 
with this franchise. But my guess is she's playing Ripley's daughter if it's between the two. I want to guess it's unrelated. It's just another part of that universe. I hope that's what you think, but I feel like I know how Hollywood works. Yeah, I'm going to take a risk and say it's not going to go down that more interconnected thing. Well, I hope so. Next up, Giancarlo Esposito from Breaking Bad and so on, has been set for a role in Please Don't Feed the Children. Why is that significant, you ask? It's a thriller that is the feature directorial debut of Destry Allen Spielberg, who is Steven Spielberg's daughter. The film follows a group of orphans who head south in search for a new life after a viral outbreak ravages the country's adult population, another apocalypse, only to find themselves in danger. Okay, you know, he's pretty fun. Oh, he's always great. I like that he has fun as well. I love that story about him when he was the anti-Mandalorian. I don't know what his name is. <laughs> when he was reverse Mandalorian and his kids were like, don't harm little baby Yoda. And he was like, I'm going to absolutely kill that little thing. <laughs> he was in character responding to them going like, no, it's going to die. I'm going to kill it. <laughs> I like that he just has fun. He just seems to be having fun with the things he's in. And he's very good. And Spielberg's daughter, I wonder what her directing style will be like. We'll find out and please don't eat the children. Feed the children. Feed the children. Please don't eat them as well, though. No. Yeah. It's funny with the whole Nepal side of it or the perceived Nepal side of things. Recently, you had The Flora and Son, which is a film I forgot the title of earlier. The lead in that is Bono's Daughter, it turns out, which I didn't know until way after I saw the film. But anyway, people are criticizing the fact that she's playing a working class Irish woman or whatever. And it's like, she can't do that. She's Bono's daughter. And then around about the same time, you had Sofia Coppola talking about how she didn't think she would have enough money to finish Priscilla. And someone put on Twitter, oh, she should have just asked for her dad. This is not a good day for women's agency, at least in terms of how they're perceived. The rule tends to be you're only a Nepo baby if you're not very good. Yeah. Sofia Coppola has made a ton of films. She's more than proven herself. Yeah, exactly. Sofia Coppola, she just is good. <laughs> but if Jared Leto's kid was in something <laughs> and they weren't very good, you'd be like, oh, that's just nepotism. Jack Quaid's a weird one because he seems to get a lot of roles because of his parentage, but also he's pretty good. Yeah. Spielberg's daughter following in her dad's footsteps. Good for her. She probably hangs around a lot of film sets. Probably. When she was growing up. So, yeah. Fun. Last, and we promise this is the last bit of news, we talked about Elon Musk biopic earlier, and now we're getting a Donald Trump biopic with Sebastian Stan being tipped to play him. The Apprentice is what it's going to be called, and made by Iranian Cannes Prize-winning filmmaker Ali Abbasi. There's an awful lot of biopics on people we don't want to see biopics on. That seems to be the new thing, because there's that Steve Coogan, Jimmy Savile thing, there's the Elon Musk thing, the Donald Trump, people you're sick of hearing about, we're doing that one. Again, they're important, historically important. They're important, yeah, the story is important, there's a story to be made, but it's always like, oh, I don't want to see a movie about this creep. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite funny when you think about it, though, it's how we're not going to offend Trump by making this. Let's cast Sebastian Stan. Yes, we think you look like him. Yeah, it'd be funny if they put him in the most grotesque suit imaginable, (laughs) but then the office of Trump Tower is like, this is the actor they plan to and they just show a picture of Sebastian Stan. It's like, oh yeah, that's what I, Donald Trump, look like. <laughs> and then when the film comes, they put a crappy wig on him and paint him orange. Yeah, they paint him orange and put him in an absolute disgusting suit and he just spill loads of stuff on him and he's just the most unpleasant person on the planet. I was going to say, who could play Boris Johnson? But we already had that, didn't we? Kenneth Branagh. Oh yeah, Kenneth Branagh. Maria Bakalova's in it as well. She's going to be playing Ivana Trump. Just a lot of horrible people. Horrible subjects. Yeah, I guess the actors. I don't know. Are they horrible? Who knows? Saying a film about horrible people. Yeah, yeah. Necessarily starring horrible people. If the film's called The Apprentice, I'm guessing it'll be about the rise to power, so to speak. Yeah, it'll be the rise to power. But yeah, I wouldn't have cast Sebastian Stan. Although the picture that they use in this article, you can kind of see it. 
because it's a young picture. I think this is going to be a Colin Firth penguin situation. (laughs) Where it's incredibly handsome when he sits in the chair. Horrible pervert three hours later. (laughs) (laughs) You could be right. But yeah, God, what a world. That's probably a challenge. That's what the makeup artist and the prosthetic artist (laughs) want. Okay, we're making a film about this person. What's the opposite? Can we turn this person into this person? I can't wait till Donald Trump threatens to have him killed when he sees this. He gets all of his weird central belt of America gun-owning patriots to go after Sebastian Stan. <laughs> that could be a worse final item than the Barbenheimer item. It is. Just in terms of bleakness. Yeah, grim. Although I think the Douglas is cancelled one still wins. Still my favourite. Yeah, Douglas and cancelled still wins. There we go. We're still fine. That's still fine. Cool. Well, shall we return to our past selves and wrap this thing up? Yeah, I'll leave it to them. Let's ring out the mop. Yeah, squash the mop in the bucket. It's all done. We've mopped up. We can put it away. Go back yep. to the past. Let's do that. That was it. That was the mop-up session. We mopped up. It's all mopped up. We wrung the last news out into the bucket, poured it down the drain, so we got space for the December news. <laughs> It now smells really bad in here. Smells of November bleach. (laughs) So that was it. That was it. That's November. Our news and trailers for November 2023. That was something. What would you say is the best bit of news from November? What would I say is the best bit of news from November? What's the most exciting out of all that stuff we just talked about? Might be Douglas is (laughs) cancelled. Could be. Out of all of them, that's the most like, what's this going to be? The worst one's that Barbenheimer thing. (laughs) (laughs) Douglas has cancelled a standout to me, actually. I feel like that seems like it would be interesting. That wins. I'm introducing winners into the news round. <laughs> What's the most interesting of all that? I'm going to go, Douglas has cancelled just because it could be really good or it could be a career ender. <laughs> Can I ask Chris to use the picture of Douglas has cancelled as the main banner image? Yeah, he's badly put our heads on the bodies. Maybe not, no, but certainly it could have other stuff in the background, like he always does. It's got Neil's cartoon head just twice. (laughs) MS painted over their characters. In November, spelt wrong. (laughs) Or, Chris, you probably have a better idea than that, so thank you for the banner in advance. We don't have to have a better idea. Thank you for the banner, but you can just do that. <laughs> but the funniest thing is he'll never hear this conversation. Oh yeah, until it's out. So he's listening to it at work or whatever. He's like, ah, oh, why didn't no one tell me? That's cute that you think he listens to these. He might. Someone has to. Can't just be Violet. <laughs> hi, Violet. Can't just be you, but hi, thanks. Thanks, Violet. Please don't unsubscribe. Sorry. Anyway, that was us. That's yep. November 2023's news and trailers with Douglas is cancelled being the unexpected winner. I'm a respected winner. I like the winners. I mean, that's my new favourite thing. I would like to thank Neil Stenson for the supplied music. And if you like what you heard, please do hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. Most of those places have a rating and review system built into their framework. So we would like you to furnish us with a rating and a review. And usually those ratings come in the form of stars. So Isaac, how many stars? Five. Go big five. Five. Go on. Be generous. Be generous with your stars. Five. The number of Frozen films that will be announced by the next time we do one of these. Yeah. The number of stars a spun movie gets. Five. <laughs> For no reason. The number of dollars Madam Web is going to make. Five. Five. 4.99. Specifically if they watch it at The View and you book online. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one person does it though. Just one. Yeah, one person. Two people do it and they get like a percent and The View gets the other five. Yeah. Sounds good. Me and you. Me and you go and watch Madam Web and then that's it. That's the full run. Or we book into another screening and then sneak in. We sneak in. We sit there by ourselves and we paid our tickets. Then once the trailer start, a hundred people sneak in and the cinema just fills up. We're like, ah. <laughs> and then we get in told off. The guys come in and like, oh, have you snuck in? It's like, no, we paid. Actually. <laughs> 
No, you didn't. No one paid for this. We didn't sell any tickets for this screening. No, the attendant beats us up. Sounds like a good night. Oh yeah, five stars. Five stars. In conclusion, if you want to discuss anything we talked about here or anything else really, you can hit us up on Facebook or Twitter slash X under Neil Before Blog, or you can reach out to us on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. Leave a comment there. We're also on Blue Sky, which is invite only. But if you're on there, we're on there. So reach out to us there. You can also join us on our Discord. There'll be a link to it in the show notes. You just click on it, and I will let you in. And then you can join our small yet engaged community of people that want to talk about stuff. Hope to see you there. Yeah. For more of these monthly news podcasts, for interviews and deep dive analytical discussions about your favourite nerdy things, please join us next time on Neil Before Pod. Bye everyone. Bye everyone.